Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show is recorded on January the 22nd, 2019. I am your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, fabulously and gloriously ready to give out those trophies, Caffeine Rage. And I was able to fit into the dress this year, because I have been on a diet. Very sparkly. On today's show, we are doing... We are doing the VGL Awards, uh, so there will be no topics or anything like that for the news or games that we played. We're going to be dividing them up into blocks just like we did last year, and timestamps will be for the blocks themselves. And then within, you can search through to find the different categories and winners and such. Hi, Rage. Ha! Huh. So, uh, real quick before we get started, we completely missed our very first week ever and in case anyone is wondering that is because i wound up in the hospital for several days and was unable to either record or put together uh some sort of backup content well so. to be fair the pancreas is a highly overrated organ yeah mine you know I, it just sucks i don't need it i just melted it my body just melted it so I mean, I'm not going to – medical stuff can get really squeamish for people. Um, I'm okay. Spent a few days in the hospital. I am recovering. Um, yeah, the opportunity was a success. <laughs> yes. So, uh, if I mean, if anyone has any questions or whatever, I mean, you can always feel free to message me. I'm not, like, weird about talking about it. But I do know that a lot of people would not appreciate hearing all of the gory details of my medical escapades. So did give a pretty good clue. <laughs> You did, you did indeed, but I mean, it, I could get much more in depth about it. But uh, we're back, we're doing our show. Uh, yeah, maybe we should have some of the Franken episodes available, or sorry, uh, the files form. Uh, so, in case of emergency, I could uh, throw something together. We can do that. Um, they do get pretty pretty hefty. I've yeah, got them in I'm, my Google Drive, which I've got pay for the hundred gigabyte space. Yeah, either that or uh, you know, finally get around to upgrading my Dropbox. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, that, that's something that we should have a different business meeting for. We, we have a couple that we uh, uh, actually have on the docket that we've been meaning to talk about, but that's during off recording time because Indeed. we do have another thing to talk about is a community refocus that we're going to be doing uh, going forward. Indeed. Um, we are going to be making some changes. I think we still need to work out a few small kinks with what we're going to be doing. Yeah, well, um, also, we probably should talk about it on the Discord as well. To you know, A community refocus should probably get some feedback from the community itself. Fair play. We will uh, do that. We'll be posting something about that this week in Discord. Uh, we look forward to hearing feedback from you guys. But we're going to try and refocus back on the community this year. Um, also, in lieu of uh, me being in the hospital and some other stuff that happened in January, we're pushing Game Club back an extra week. So it will be the, pulling up my calendar now, instead of next week, the, the 29th, it will be, yes, the 5th of February when we'll be doing January's Game Club. So that gives everybody an extra week, uh, especially us, to get through Vampire, the Masquerade Bloodlines. Um, but yeah, we'll get some community feedback on the community refocus and some of the other changes we're talking about doing. Uh, and then we'll have more details, pro possibly, probably in next next week's episode, 
but we just want to get this done off the top so everybody knows what's going on before we you know dig into this and i don't know how long we're going to be here last year's wasn't too super long uh few well, hours. no longer than the usual episode yeah so we will uh we'll see how this goes but uh are we forgetting anything or are we good to go i think we're good to go okie dokie so then let's just and can we hurry up this uh, this dress is starting to cut off circulation (laughs) well you could just take it off i'm not falling for that one again i love how you added the again anyways for block one our first award or our first category is the most memorable gaming moment in 2018. So the way this works is that we each have something that we, you know, sort of nominated, and these aren't really, like, award awards until we get to the very end. Yeah, really. there's a couple that, you know, could call, uh, you, you could throw into a real award, you know, where we have a discussion back and forth and have an ultimate winner, but, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, so my top moment, my most memorable moment of 2018 uh, gaming moment was when the two of us beat Divinity. <laughs> I mean, we had been playing Divinity for like 18 months or something like that. And part yeah. of it was, you know, we couldn't record every week. Stuff was going on. And also it's a long ass game. And it is a long ass game. Um, but it was so good. And I really enjoyed all that time. Uh, yeah, the story uh, you know, kind of was lacking, but oh, that the ending. ending. Yeah, just the ending fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually went back and calculated that. Uh, well, first of all, we skipped an entire stage on the end boss fight. I mean, a yeah. complete stage of it, because it's supposed to be a three-phase fight, and we were in phase two, and, well, Medora... I, I actually called it. I said Medora was just going to kill him at some point. <laughs> and she did. But I mean, you know, she truly is the the baddest of asses. <laughs> uh, it, it was just hilarious. Just what was that like a quadruple crit on her? Yeah, right there towards the very end. It's like thousands of damage. Something like four or five thousand damage mm-hmm. on a uh, boss that only had a few thousand, uh, or, or I would say a couple ten thousand, tens of thousands health. But its big thing was massive resistances. Yeah. But we were countering all of its resistances. We were making it weak to stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it turns out it that. was also weak to just a giant sword getting, uh, getting shoved up its ass. Lots of things are weak to just giant swords. I have to say, I mean, I'm pretty weak to a giant sword. I don't know about you, but. Uh, well, I'm fatter, so, you know, I have more natural armor, you know. It would bounce a little bit more. Oh, uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm pretty fat too. But yeah, just, you know, it wasn't that it's a good game to me. There's not a ton of stuff in it. That's like super duper stand out. The combat system with sort of all the combos and things you could do was really cool. But, you know, towards the end of the game, the story and, uh, kind of falls apart. And there's a couple of sections like the forced stealth section and the part where you can completely miss one of the things you need and get stuck which mm-hmm. we did. And we had to look up a guide on how to do it. Like there's some, no, 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 we consulted the Oracle. We did. Well, you're right. We consulted the Oracle. So, you know, there are some pretty bad aspects to that game Gugal. and some very frustrating things, but Google, <laughs> but just the experience of, of playing through that whole thing and then finishing it up with you was, well, it was more was the great. mechanics than anything else, because 
uh, this is a victim of early access where it was in a long development cycle. So the it's of what three major maps, I would say. Yeah. I would or yeah, you know, two major maps and then a a big dungeon at the end. It really is semantics there. The first map, the first third or the first half of the game, somewhere in there, was highly polished because that's what they practiced. Uh, that's what they polished in early access. You know, that was the map that they worked on over and over and over again. And there was a drastic difference when you hit the second map of uh, just the level polish. It was still a good game, but it wasn't nearly as good. Yeah. And then by the ending, it was very linear. Um, you know, you, you, there was really only one place to go and not a lot of exploring to do. Not as many side quests and things like yeah, that. And honestly, the final boss was a little bit of a letdown because it didn't really kind of focus on the inner mechanics that the game had focused on it before then, you know, uh, touring out with the different elements and uh, different services and uh, trying out different tactics. It did a little bit, but it was more trying to counter the just immense resistances. Yeah. So that's mine. Uh, what's yours? Well, mine is a more somber note. It is really the outpouring support in the, uh, uh, and the stories following the death of Total Biscuit, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, just, uh, this is, well, should we just go ahead and uh, roll this into my uh, biggest surprise of the year as well? And yep, have this, because it's essentially the same event, only different sides of it. Right, so but the second, it, I will say the second sort of uh, category is biggest surprise of the year, and it can be anything related to gaming. Which so uh, Total Biscuit was, uh, you know, the uh, consumer advocate, uh, uh, the uh, really the champion of the consumer. Uh, a, he wasn't the biggest uh, uh, gamer on YouTube, but he was one of the most uh, well known uh, outside of the gaming sphere. So him just, well, it was a protracted disease. You know, it was long going, but he went downhill quick at the end, which you know is typical with cancer cases. But yeah, kind of when it's over, mm-hmm. it's over. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it was a surprise just how quickly it happened because he was talk. It, it happened in what within two weeks of him talking about uh, his chemo no longer being effective and seeking alternate treatments. Yeah, it was two. I think they did two more episodes after that that he was on. And then, and then there there was one episode where they were talking about, you know, hoping to have him back uh, because yeah. he was in the hospital because he had fluid buildup in his chest that yep. was putting pressure on his spine and was giving him some uh, real pain. And then it was just a few days after that that he passed. I mean, it was just amazingly quick. But uh, my most memorable gaming moment is not his death, uh, his death itself. It's the outpouring of support to Jenna and uh, their uh, son, Iran. And also, you know, all the stories coming out, you know, hearing the developers coming out and talking about how Total Biscuit saved their company because he covered the, their game in a WTF is. Uh, him uh, supporting uh, consumer advocacy, you know, and just uh, being a shining light 
in a rather shitty field that is game journalism. I think that's a fair thing to say, even though he didn't call himself a reviewer, he didn't really call himself a games journalist. He called himself a critic. And honestly, we lost a lot when we lost really our only critic. Because, yeah. Yeah. Nobody mm. else calls themselves a critic. And there was really, I mean, there have been a couple of people who have not stepped in, but have sort stepped of come. Yeah. Yeah. Like Sid Alpha. Um, yeah. Yeah. People have called him uh, essentially uh, the Diet Coke of <laughs> Total Biscuit. Which yeah. I could definitely see that. Uh, it's a shame that he has a day job still and he hasn't gone full time. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, you know, YouTube is in flux right now as well. So it's tough to re- really hold it against him uh, saying, oh, you should just make the jump. You uh, are totally big enough when YouTube is just so uncertain these days. Yeah. And we both talked about how, you know, TB had personally influenced us mm-hmm. in our, you know, our gaming and the way we approach games and things like that. And still, sometimes I think about, you know, think back to like the videos and stuff that I've seen of his when I'm trying to evaluate something either to talk about on the show or even just like, hmm, how do I feel about this, you know, news article or this announcement? Or I think of him whenever thing. I see a shitty texture and I go uh, rub up against the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I've I've said to people before, like, um, you know, people have asked me, like, oh, who's someone that you look up to? Who's somebody that, like, inspires you? And I'm I, Total Biscuit has been on that list for me before because, you know, he, not a perfect man, full of faults, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he's someone that should have never been on social media. I think yeah. that's fair to say. Yeah, but his principles and the way he conducted himself generally, publicly, um, I was something that, you know, helped kind of inspire me to be more ethical, like, you know, many years ago when I first discovered him. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't something that, like, completely changed my life. I'm not saying, like, ah, he completely, like, reformed me. But, you know, there was a period in my life where I was very, I wasn't as ethical or as moral as I am now, just because my life experiences were shaping me, and I wanted to be better. And that was something that I used to help me determine that so hey i mean it sucks that he's gone yeah and trust me uh, uh, there's been many times uh since then that i thought oh what i wouldn't do for a total biscuit video right about now on this yeah same. i I talk about x for so many minutes (laughs) yeah i've kind of turned to sit alpha and then Yang Ye yeah. and Jim Sterling mm-hmm. to sort of make, be a trifecta that makes up as much as it can for that. Yeah, even the three of them combined, they don't equal Total Biscuit. Not by a long shot, in my opinion. No, definitely not. Yeah, And no, it's not just the voice. It's just uh, the astuteness of his critique, you know? Yeah. And hearing uh, Jenna talk about him critiquing his uh, yeah, waking dreams in his final days. <laughs> I mean, that says something about him, huh? Yeah. I mean, he was very passionate about what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and you know, obviously, the you know, biggest surprise is just you know, how quickly things went south for him because he was talking at the first of the year that you know, he still had a chance about this. You know, he uh, was looking at new treatments. 
Mm-hmm. They were looking at some experimental stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And uh, I guess I could throw in, uh, you know, just, uh, the, well, uh, my biggest surprise also is just the aftermath as well. You know, uh, uh, them, or I sh- should say, uh, Jenna, uh, almost losing the house and now is, uh, moved to Korea. <laughs> you know, that yeah, that seems out of nowhere, but then again, uh, I'm haven't been following the co-optional podcast as much and the co-optional podcast has seen a huge hiatus. Yeah. She took, she took a trip to Korea um, for something to do with Starcraft. Mm-hmm. Starcraft and to she just, uh, esports. Yeah, and she just fell in love with the place. And you know what? I mean, good for her. You know, I, I mean, I could definitely understand. You know, uh, needing to, you know, get rid of the house because uh, there's just way too much there. Yeah, I mean, I think what she's doing. A lot of people might think that she's running away. Um, and perhaps oh, to some extent she is, but I mean, this is what she needs to do to cope and to move on with her life. She's still very young. Um, you know, she's what in her, is she in her early thirties? I think so. So yeah, I mean, she's still young. She's still got a lot of life left ahead of her. Um, and it would be a tragedy if she was one of those people who just sort of dwelt on that loss for forever. Um, and how she grieves and copes and moves on in her own time is something that no one can decide for her. So I'm glad to see her doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, you know, that's not what I would do, but I'm not her. So I'm not gonna, you know, m- judge her for that. Out loud. <laughs> I mean, I've seen people do a lot worse things than, you know, pack up and move somewhere and start over when they've had loss. Mm-hmm. I see that pretty frequently, actually. So, you know, comes with the territory of of what I do. But uh, I don't, I don't want to like jump over and cut you off if you have more to say. But I don't think I no, have anything else. No, to... I think uh, we've talked about this. Uh, uh, well, honestly, not, not enough, but enough for this particular topic because you know we did a total biscuit special essentially <laughs> before. Right. So, right. Okay, so my biggest surprise of the year uh, was also a, a slightly sad thing uh, in playing it, but it was Florence, which is a real game that uses the the strengths of a mobile platform, you know, the touchscreen um, and the accelerometers and things like that, to help tell the story. Uh, and the episode where I actually talked about the game from several months ago um, I went into a lot more detail if you miss that or if you're a newer listener and, you know, um, I won't spoil it, but it genuinely does use the the mechanics of the touchscreen to help tell the story of uh, a relationship between two people. Um, and the music is wonderful and the art style is beautiful and brilliant. It's made by a small team. I believe they're in Australia um, or perhaps New Zealand. And I, that's not me saying that New Zealand and Australia are the same place, guys. I know we've got some yes, you are. there. But I think I think they were from one of those two places. Like, I could be, be sure to send all hate mail to JMA4707 on Steam. <laughs> you mean on Twitter? Because that's no, my... I'll just have it sent to you directly. Oh, okay. So JR347. Because you said oh, JMA. JR. 
but yeah, I mean, Florence was a huge surprise. It was like three bucks when I got it on mobile and it is well worth the three bucks. You know, I don't know what it's at now or if it's has or gone on sale, but I look forward to playing future games from this dev team. Um, I believe they've got another one coming out soon, so I need to actually check up on that later. But yeah, that was the the biggest surprise for me in the year uh, in gaming related stuff. Yeah, and uh, since we had the bubble game here, I will say that we asked the bubble game title or the award this year because honestly, I had nothing. I, I, I was able to eventually think of something, but I wasn't strong enough to on it to really care about it. Yeah. I mean, most mobile games are garbage. Eventually, there will be stuff that breaks into the market that's really good. It just has to happen by, like, law of averages. But, I mean, most shovelware nowadays goes to mobile, I think. Or Steam Direct. Or Steam Direct, which we will get to later. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's going to be fun. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, The next category... The It's Still an Early Access Award. So this goes to the game that we can't believe is still in early access after all of these years. Uh, my pick was Factorio, which has been in early access for, I want to say, four or five years. I could just go on Steam and look it up. It originally released in 2016. But it's been in early access for longer than that. It came to Steam yeah, that's when it in came 2016. To Steam. I believe it first was for sale in a year before that. So it's been in early access for four years, give or take. And I mean, it has received, it's a completely playable game. And it has changed quite a bit over the last year, last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, well, major changes. Uh, our plans for a release... Uh... Uh, come as part of an ongoing process. We're constantly adding new features and content. I'm not sure when they updated this, by the way. We feel the game is complete. Uh, uh, we feel the game is complete. We will uh, release the full version. Our current estimate is that it will take us eight to twelve months. <laughs> okay, so on Steam it says we've been working on Factorio for over five years in the early access. So two years before it came to Steam, it was up for sale in early access, and they sold. According to this, they sold 110,000 copies directly on their website. So, Which, yeah. Quite the number, huh? Yeah. I want to go back and play it because, I mean, it's, it's not a whole new game, but they've made some massive changes since the last time I did a playthrough. And know, I know some people in the community have been playing it a bit here recently. I haven't mm-hmm. been able to join in because they started playing around the time I got sick. Um, but I don't know if I will or if I'll go off by myself or we could do something together or whatever. I don't know. That's something to figure out later, but yeah, I've been meaning to go back and play it and just see what's different. Uh, well, mine is snow. Now you remember this one, right? I forgot about this game. Honestly, I just didn't think about this one because I wanted one that is also in development. Hell, and hasn't seen an update since 2017. So it's, most likely a dead game. Mm-hmm. It originally released in 2013, so it's been in production about as long as Factorio, or I should say been on early access as long as Factorio has been in production. So, you know, it's an older game. Right. It's free to play. 
And I had a lot of promise that was absolutely squandered because they put everything behind a damn paywall. So we're likely not going to see this re- uh, uh, get a full release. I mean, it's all-time peak is 2,700 players. That's that's not sustainable for a free-to-play game. I'm sorry, but it's not. Unless, you know, mm-hmm. you have several whales in that, but everything was cosmetics, at least at first. Then they started paywalling everything. And it's a real shame because, you know, they got outdid by Ubisoft with Steep. Granted, Steep isn't a, a great game, but it's a complete game. Yeah, There's more got, to do. Yeah, because say, oh, last, time I, you know, last time I played it, which I believe it was after uh, December 21st, 2017, uh, there was really nothing to do unless you put down a lot of money into snow. I remember we played it a couple of times, like all of us. Mm-hmm. And then we never like played it again. Yeah, because we said that I had promised, but there wasn't a lot of content. And let's just put it this way. Well, to be fair, this number is inflated because it has a lifetime pass, but there is $228 of paid DLC, but there's a, a $60 lifetime pack. So, you know, a hundred some, uh, you know, like 180 Right. I'm sorry. Uh, no, hundred, uh, yeah, hundred and fifty. You know, it's just uh, ridiculous, right? Yeah, I'm tempted to install this and just play it and see what there is in like the the free, the actual free portion. But I I know I'm not going to do that. So why mm-hmm. even contemplate yeah, let's it? Let's see. Time? Uh, well, at least they don't give a date on this one. Snow will remain in early access until it reaches. Uh, Fully after an uh, open beta period. What? Snow will remain in early access until it launches fully after the open beta period. At that point, Snow will uh, be nearly feature complete with all intended content and gameplay uh, available to all users. Unless you haven't paid, and then you're going to be screwed. <laughs> That's the uh, the subtext, right? The fine print? Yeah. I was yeah. reading between the lines. It's, ah, a, it's a shame because, you know... It, a snow b- released well before steep. It should have been able to capture a good chunk of the market. Steep didn't do all that greatly, but you know, at least uh, did well enough to be able to be supported by Ubisoft. So that says something, right? Yeah. Hey, you can get steep for 20 bucks right now. Mm-hmm. Still a little, well, steep for the content in that game. Eh? Hey, ghosty goo has steep. So next topic. Right. The Boulder Dash Award. Uh, what we're fed up with from the previous year. And for me, it's AAA devs and publishers just cashing in on community goodwill. And this is also going to show up later on. But, yeah, we saw EA cash in with Command & Conquer. Mm-hmm. Bethesda cash in with Fallout. Yeah, Blizzard cashing in with Diablo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just... Really low effort, poor quality, supposing triple A developers pushing out these crap games. And honestly, they're still selling because they are selling based on the name and on the community goodwill because they don't believe that, you know, you know it's EA putting out a, a mobile game. It's going to be good. Right. Says the idiots. 
this is it, it's interesting to see this. Like I know there's always been cash grabs and and yeah, but it's know, but it seems like it's been worse this year, right? This is something that happened. It maybe it's I'm sure it was happening longer before this, but in the last maybe a decade ago, this started happening hardcore in the film industry, and so you would get film studios that would release you know these huge blockbuster sequels that were just garbage, but because everybody liked the first one. The second one made a shit ton of money. So the studio's like, ah, what we're doing is fine. And then they make the next one and it's a huge flop. And so they don't learn the right lessons or they or don't they care. Or they go in and try to uh, you know, repair things. <laughs> they see Ghostbusters. Yeah. So, and then piss off the stars of the, of the remake. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just amuses me to no end. I don't think anyone is ever going to be happy with Ghostbusters ever again. <laughs> it's like... Oh, you've got it's it's like there's two sides. Whenever two sides form on something, True. there's always a fight. But yeah, I mean, the, the game industry seems to follow the trends of the film industry in a very sort of large, you know, grand or maybe meta scale. Because I've seen lots of things like this happen in the film industry. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, you know, EA is obviously going to can a studio that's just how they respond to bad games they can the studio yeah throw another one onto the pile we'll see what blizzard and activision or, or blizzard well black uh, division Blizz- uh, well blizzard has been doing something interesting have you heard about this i don't think uh, so. where they've offered people essentially uh cash out of their contracts and people have been li- leaving the company in droves wow. i'm thinking rats from a sinking ship that's interesting yeah have you not seen this? No, this must have happened. When did this happen? Was it last this week? happened several weeks ago. Oh, I completely missed it somehow then. Uh, well, this has been an ongoing thing. Uh, they lost a good chunk of their QA team. I knew that they lost a couple of uh, big names. I'm drawing a blank right yeah, now, but uh, I saw a news article. Yeah, about this was uh, related to that as well. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they have essentially a standing contract. Once you're with the company, uh, I think it's five years. You have an option to buy out uh, or get a essentially a severance to either leave the company or change uh, positions. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard of anything like this. Uh, on a mass scale, I should say. Yeah. I've, I was going to say, I've heard of contracts like that before that have clauses like, you know, milestones. And it's like, if you want to leave, this is your milestone to do so. But if you stay, then your next milestone will be like, you know, bigger. So that's interesting. I mean, Bungie split from Activision. Yeah. So they're going their own way. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, this was in December over a hundred, uh, blizzard staff, uh, accept buyout offers. Uh, from game industry.biz. So, you know, Pretty reputable site. I mean, we've used it a few times. Yeah. An episode. I like Game Industry. Is they're really good. But yeah, I mean, it just screams to me that they're downsizing, and that's not a good thing for a studio like Blizzard. No, that's never a good thing for any company. Well, I wouldn't say never, but that's oftentimes not a good thing. Because downsizing comes with trying to fix problems, you cutting costs. <clears throat> and sometimes companies back bounce back, but lots of times they don't. I mean, we'll hundred staff from forward. Blizzard by the end of 2018. That's quite the number. Yeah. And losing Mike Borham as well. 
you know, a co-founder. To be fair, you know, he was only there as a temporary position these days, but still. Yeah. I'm not expecting, uh, well, I was about to say, I'm not expecting Blizzard to keep up with their current level of quality, but uh, Overwatch isn't doing all that well. I wonder if uh, they're going to go start. Heroes of the Storm, well, it got canned, or uh, yeah. the esports side of things, and they've essentially shelved uh, development. It has a skeleton crew uh, essentially just in maintenance mode. Uh, Diablo it has a mobile game. <laughs> And hasn't there been a lot of outcry about the new WoW expansion? Um, not that I heard. I heard people there complain was some, that it was in a very poor state at launch. There, there was, yeah, at launch there were some pretty big complaints about stuff, but they have been doing this sort of, I don't know, episodic release schedule with updates. It's like, as you know, the story unfolds every couple of weeks. And part of that has been pushing updates. And as far as I know, most people are happy with it now. Uh, maybe it was just a bad launch. Yeah, it did have a, a, a rocky launch. Which is a bit unusual because usually, you know, at least lately in the last you know, several expansions, there's been some server issues, you know, uh, of course, because, you know, everyone and their mother shows up. But... Yeah, it's been fairly solid. I think yeah. that's a fair thing to say, but to be also to be fair, the last expansion I played was Cataclysm, which had a pretty good launch, if I recall correctly. Yeah, Cataclysm was a good overhaul. I mean, that's when I jumped back in. Well, I had a problem with how they redid the talent trees, but that's just me uh, liking the old system. Yeah. So do you want to know what I'm fed up with from the past year? Uh, no, because I could read it right here. <laughs> Fucking loot boxes. I am so tired <laughs> of loot boxes. I'm just, I'm ready for that to be done. I don't, I, I do want them gone, but I am just so tired of it. And all of the stupid debate and all of the people who are like, Well, the fact that uh, we're now seeing physical item loot boxes. Yeah, I saw that the Sony loot box you could buy it. Target. No I, was talking about, no, I was talking about the one where uh, it was. Oh, it was uh, not a uh, dipship, but dipship's brother. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, I'm not even going to say his name, but you know, uh, the one that was shocked to find a corpse, right? Uh, yes. His brother uh, set up a site that. Uh, sells physical items and loot boxes. Oh, of course. Well, you can you can buy a Sony branded loot box from I think it's Target. And it's thirty oh, bucks, sick. and you get I think you're guaranteed a coffee mug. I mean, uh, and then everything honestly, else is random. Uh, I mean, honestly, you know, the grab bag idea has been around for ages in retail. Yeah, I mean that's essentially what it is, but. What the loot box is, it it, uh, it taps into the whole idea of, yeah, it, it hits all the sparkly lights and everything else. Uh, oh, damn it, now I'm uh, blanking on the kid's uh, toy that is essentially a loot box. It It's a random, it's a girl's toy, so you may not know this, or maybe you do, uh, where you open it up and it shoots confetti out and it has a random little doll. I'm, I saw oh, this um. On, 
I saw this on a video somewhere and I'm blanking on where I saw it. And they opened it up and it was like, I saw this. Holy shit. It's a physical loot box. I've seen, I know what you're talking about. I can't yeah, think of the name of it, but I've seen them. Yeah. So I'm not making it up. I, I didn't no, have a, that's a real dream. Thing. No, that's a real thing. I can't think of the name of them, but I've and seen they're like, them. And, and they're just absurdly expensive for what they are because, you know, it's like this little figure. Yeah. My cousin was into those when she was a little bit younger. She's, I mean, she's 15 now, but a few years ago, she bought a whole bunch of those. Boy, I bet the cleanup was fun. I didn't have to clean it up, so I don't care. <laughs> not my kid, not my problem. Um, oh. but yeah, I'm just, I'm just tired of it. I'm sure there's going to be more news going forward, but there's just so much stuff. It's like, can we please just? They're gambling. They just are, and let's figure out how to do that or how to deal with it. And yes, I would always rather the industry do it itself, regulate itself, but it seems incapable of doing so. And around the world, governments are stepping in. And yeah, but not ours. No, of course not ours. Uh, to be fair, ours is partly shut down right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and I can hear you wanting to rain about that. He finally won something. Longest shutdown ever. Well, I mean, he, you know, he has most days games. golfing. Yeah. Okay. He's got two things. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. But we should probably not get into politics right now. No, let's not do that. Instead, let's go to our next category, which is the best free-to-play game that we played this year. Hey, yours has loot boxes in it. It does. Mine is <laughs> they're, they're, Those are card packs, I'll, let, I'll have you know. It's action figures. It's not a doll. Yeah. So mine is Shadowverse. I talked about this a uh, couple of months ago. Um, I, it's, I mean, it's a Hearthstone clone. But it takes away a lot of the random elements. In fact, most of the random elements that Hearthstone has in it. So you can strategize a lot more. Um, and you don't have to worry about like a single random pull winning the game for you. Or losing the game for you. It's just a solid all-around game. The art design is great. Um, it's got a lot of single-player content, which I enjoy. Because um, I don't... I don't like to deal with like the current meta and I'm not going to spend tons and tons of money to get all the cards I need. So playing through the single player, you can do that with the starter decks. Just a really solid all around good free to play CCG or yeah, CCG. Yeah. And mine is of course still Warframe. Uh, it was Warframe last year. It's Warframe this year, but this is also like the one free to play that's you know, captured me, you know, uh, they had a major, major expansion that, was on the surface a lot like the previous major expansion, but they fixed a lot of the issues with it. Yeah. Uh, they uh, It's essentially uh, the same basic idea, only a lot more refined, a lot more polished, but they added more paths of progression throughout that big chunk of content that they released. And they just talked about the roadmap for the upcoming year, and they have a lot of shit going down. But yeah, I've seen that. Oh, you oh, you saw them talking about that? Yeah, I'm still um, subbed to the Warframe subreddit, and it, that has been on my front page every day for the last couple of days. <laughs> and them uh, making fun of them bringing in a whiteboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, they knew what was going to happen. They knew. 
But yeah, just the fact that they have one of the most, if not the most fair models. Uh, you buy a currency, you do have the bullshit currency. I will uh, admit that. But the bullshit currency is also fully tradable. So if you don't want to buy bullshit currency or you're lacking just a little bit, you could sell something. You could sell something to another player, get uh, you get bullshit currency to uh, be able to buy instead of having to you know, plop down a bunch of money uh, to get a ton of shit currency for one little thing because you need like five platinum or something. I mean, it's a really good way to get around the issue of it, you know? Yeah. And technically they do have loot boxes in the form of relics, uh, but you do not buy them directly. Uh, You're able to influence the chances quite substantially just by essentially a refinement process, uh, burning a secondary resource in the game to boost the chances of the uncommon and rare items from you know, a one in a hundred chance to a one in 10 chance. You know, quite the difference. Yeah. That's a huge and, difference. And it's also very easy to farm said relics either just by getting the faction, uh, uh, burning the uh, reputation, which is your currency for uh, buying stuff from that reputation. Essentially you're, turning in favors you know you do so yeah. much uh, work for them you build up uh, essentially favors and you're able to say you know i scratched your back why don't you scratch mine or you're able to just form them through various missions and that sort of thing so it's not hard to get these relics it's time consuming yes but it's not hard and warframe is about a delicious delicious grind so yeah that's uh, my uh, free-to-play game, and let's move on to the next one. No school like the old school award. Well, uh, this one's easy for me: building the retro pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, that's literally old school. Well, new school meets old school. Going through and you know finding the games that was like, oh shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> or yeah, that, or they made a game of that. Uh, like, uh, uh, the big one was the NES and all the random game shows that they had game ver- or video games of. Yeah, like, uh, uh, shoot, now I'm blanking on, uh, uh Win, Lose, or Draw had, had a, a game. <laughs> and nobody's probably thought of Win, Lose, or Draw in like 20 years, you know? <laughs> was that? Unless, unless uh, it was, uh, it was a weird show of memory serves correctly. I barely remember it. I think I've seen it. It's probably my, on Game Show Network. Yeah, because when I when I was a kid, I would go to my you know my grandmother's house and spend the night, and she always watched the Game Show Network. Win, lose, or draw. Yeah, I've seen win, lose, or draw. Yeah, to be fair, you know, uh, Game Show Network it it has probably the cheapest backlog of stuff it could just play. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's probably cheaper than making reality shows, which is saying something. But yeah, just going through and learning some very basic Linux because there were a few commands to uh, to compile things, and also you know uh, to install the safe script so you know you don't accidentally erase the uh, the memory card by powering it down incorrectly. Yeah, that would be sad. Which is a feature of that uh, case. 
that was a fun thing to uh, to figure out how to do because there was some weird commands to do in that. <laughs> that took me a a good hour to uh, do, and then just let it sit and install because it pulled from uh, the internet. But it was an interesting uh, time to you know, mess with it, and just going through and cleaning up everything and uh, finding all the random things like learning that you know the SNES was used to smuggle porn into China. Who knew? Yeah, I, uh, I just kept seeing these. You know, what the hell is this art book? <laughs> because it was like random Chinese name art book, and it was one of those things that wasn't getting hit by the scraper, which was what was grabbing all the information, the uh, box art, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and so I kept getting these weird things, and I thought, okay, let's load up one and let's see what the hell this is. Well, that's tits. <laughs> Pixelated tits, but tits. And that's just porn. Right there. That's that's what that is, ladies and gentlemen. Just porn. I mean, it, it was uh, it was an experience. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And the fact that it was like, you know, six or eight pictures. <laughs> uh, it really says something, but yeah, it's just uh, uh it was a learning experience and it was an interesting time to put it all together. Yeah. And also ended up with a few extra tools, you know, ended up with a SD card reader. Well, I did keep the screwdriver that came with the case. I hope you don't mind. That's fine. I've got a whole set of, you know, specialty screwdrivers. Well, it's just a fearless head. It's just a small one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, and I didn't even put the feet on it because I figured uh, if that heat sink came off, uh, you know, it's probably best that you uh, could get into it easier. Can get to it. Yeah. Just make sure that you'll pull that memory card because I will be pissed if you snap it and you don't have a backup of it. I will I will pull it. No worries, mate. Yeah, it's just a pain to get a hold of because I didn't have a thumbnail or, or a big enough thumbnail. But yeah, the RetroPod was an experience, uh, to put it lightly. A fun one, but it was an experience and a little bit tedious, I might add. <laughs> yeah. So mine was uh, the Shadowrun series, which I played at the beginning of 2018. Um, made by Hairbrain Schemes, the same people who made Battletech. Um, I played, I've been not quite as big a fan of, of Shadowrun as some of the other things that I get really into, but I have been a fan of Shadowrun. Like, I love the interesting mix of, you know, cyberpunk and magic that it is. I've played the older games for uh, Super Nintendo and the older PC games and um, have played the tabletop a little bit. Shadowrun is super complicated to actually play the tabletop game but um you know just playing that the there's a lot of ties to the old games characters that come back and it doesn't in such a way that like if you don't know who they are it doesn't matter but if you do know you're like oh those people were in you know one of the older games or this is sort of a continuation of a story from a previous game or one of the books or something like that and you know what is old school but nostalgia and i'm 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 like at hitting that point in my life where I'm like nostalgic for things from like 10 years ago and welcome to getting old. Yeah. So like 10 to 15 years ago, I would say you'd be turning gray, but you already are. I already am turning gray. 10 to 15 years ago. I'm turning gray or if my hair is just turning fine. I can't tell which super fine, but that was around the time that I started getting into this sort of stuff. That's when I first got the first started playing D and D. I got a, um, third edition rule book uh started dming for 
my friends, we'd all go over to my friend's house and play D and D because his house was kind of in the middle of all of the rest of us, this, this one particular friend. Um, and then getting into Shadowrun and started playing a lot more strategy games and things like that. So it's just playing that game or those games. Cause there's two, they were working on a third one. I don't know if the third one's out yet or not. Actually, I haven't checked up on it, but I don't think so. Cause they shifted most of their focus to battle tech, but the there's two that are out and they are both excellent games and just reminded me a lot of 10 to 15 years ago. <laughs> so Yay for getting old, I guess. But it just seemed to fit perfectly with mm-hmm. how I sort of interpreted that category. Uh, the final one for Block 1 is uh, the Reconsideration Award. This was one a of our new, new ones, right? Yeah, yeah, this is one of the new ones. Uh, basically, a game that made you reconsider it either positively or negatively but yep. for one reason or another. And I created this award so especially for mine. So go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So mine is no man's sky. Um, I've talked about this earlier in the year when they've released their last couple of really big updates and how they have really turned the game around. Um, And I came back to it earlier this year and put, I don't know, 30 hours into it, despite the fact that it wasn't at least at the time, I don't know if it still is or not, not optimized for AMD GPUs. So I was dealing with some pretty bad, frame rates and and hitching and stuff in certain places. And I still was loving every minute of it because they fixed so many of the problems that plagued the game at launch. And even when I had come back to check it out a little bit later with some of the improvements that they made, they still have fixed upon and added so many things to that game. I mean, you know, it's, it's launch was two years ago, two and a half years ago. And you can never go back and recapture that moment. But I believe the game now is at the point that they had claimed it was going to be when it released. And this year I intend to put some more time into it um, to just see if, if I'm right and see what actually is out there. Okay. Well, mine is on the negative side of things. Faria. This was actually a free to play game that I really enjoyed when it, well, when I discovered it, I believe I got this uh, on recommendation from Total Biscuit. All right. Mm-hmm. And during the year, they announced that they were no longer going to be free to play. They were going to go to a pay to play model. Essentially, think of it like Guild Wars, where you buy into it and then you get so much. But then you could also uh, get the card packs as well. Uh, to fill out your uh, roster and also they revamped their uh, crafting mechanics. So instead of uh, the hearthstone like mechanic, where as you get excess cards and you build up a resource to create new ones. Now it's just, uh, I think it's once every six hours, you could just create a card short of legendaries. Just boom, done. Mm-hmm. Sounds good on the surface, but they didn't, they then. They then they then went the DLC route with expansions and start talking about doing them fairly often, and started to get into a little bit of a power creep situation. And each one is a paid expansion, so you start to see the problem here. On top of this, because they went from free to play to a paid exp- experience, 
to be fair, anyone that bought into, or I shouldn't say bought in, but played the game before the pay-to-play launch got to keep the base version. But they paywalled all the new content. And as of right now, they have, that. now mind you, this is a CCG, so you know, player count is slightly important for proper matchmaking. Indeed, as it a is with almost 24-hour peak, and you could tell that this is going to be a low number because I'm pulsing. And dragging it out. Yeah, which, yeah, the death on this one is a pretty uh, dra- a drug out. 147. Ooh. Ooh, that's no bueno. They have fewer players in Artifact, and that's saying something. Right now, they have 112 players. And just, if you go to the Steam charts, you could see the big peak of just before they went pay-to-play uh, of uh, 3,638. And you may be thinking, that's a pretty low number for CCG, and that's because it's a strategy strategy game on top of things. It, it was a, well, I should say, I shouldn't say it was. It still is a rather unique mixture of CCG and strategy. But the problem is that it's two niche markets that the, the Venn diagram doesn't really uh, you know, overlap all that much to begin with. And on top of this, they also canceled their mobile version, which was just idiotic because the mobile version was perfectly playable. And it would have been a good catch for you know people on the go because matches weren't that long you would think that they would be a longer match because of the strategic component but i would say they were you know 15 minutes which is probably a little long for mobile but not overly long no 15 minutes i think is pretty acceptable for mobile i mean they seem to shoot for like a five minute sweet spot air quotes sweet spot but i mean i like between 10 to 15 minute matches honestly like on a mobile game. Yeah, especially since this has a strong strategy component on top of it, uh, of uh, building up the map as well. And there are, or yeah, there still are decks that are more of a rush focus that could, uh, you know, do the sub uh, five minute uh, game, but, you know, those are the rarities. And there's also mechanics in the game that uh, uh, prevent you from dragging out the game too long as well, you know, kind of countering some of the trouble Hearthstone could have where, you know, uh, two people have built up too much and they can't kill one another. Right. Until, yeah, RNG is, uh, RNG just says, you die. Yeah. Or you get to the death counter and take too much mm-hmm. death damage in Hearthstone. Like whenever you run out of cards in your deck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's just put it this way. Uh, they went pay to play, I believe. Uh, um, but, but, um, well, unfortunately, this says the average players. It looks like it was in April, but yeah, they are. That's their peak. I'm not sure if that's when that they went full pay to play. But the fact that they pulled all this in the last year, you know, yeah, is yeah rather telling. Uh, to, so much so that I wanted to create a special award just for them. All right, and we're back for the first category of Block 2, which is the Off the Wall Game Award, which is the strangest game you've played in the last year. 
Um, so for me, I played a lot of odd games, as I always do. But the one that sticks out the most in my mind, and probably always will forever, is Genderbender DNA Twister. That um, weird anime or manga style visual novel that also had other game elements in it with a weird story about the crazy science experiment that turned that flipped everyone's gender in the entire town. Um, and then somehow people started turning to monster girls yep. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was just weird and wacky, but it was like fun and bright. And uh, like, if you like that sort of odd or weird or whatever you want to call it, or if that's your fetish, if that's your fetish, it's real. The story is, is really well done for the type of thing that it is. Like it's not trying to be, you know, uh, win any awards or anything, be some serious masterpiece of art. You know, it's not trying to be Shakespeare. It knows what it's doing being this schlocky sort of silly, weird game, but it's perfect at that. Like it's perfectly in its lane. The concepts are weird. It does explore some deeper things. There are certainly some stories that explore some deeper aspects, but there's also some stuff that's just like totally weird and off the wall. Um, and there's a bunch of different endings. Uh, I mean, there's one true like canon ending, but there are a ton of different choices you can make throughout each of the storylines and get different endings for each each character that you can play. So wacky, weird, but also incredibly enjoyable. And for me, well, uh, there was only really one choice for this. Pizza Titan Ultra or Pizza Ultra Titan or whatever <laughs> that game was. Uh, a 50-foot mech that delivers pizzas and has a pizza restaurant built into its chest. Yeah, that's a thing, but also surprisingly enjoyable, you know? Yeah. It, was, uh, it did enough to shake up its uh, various missions. It had various... Uh, you can't even call them Easter eggs because, you know, it's... Uh, you know, obviously supposed to be that celebrity or that character uh but they just barely changed the name enough to avoid copyright and barely change the image yeah uh parody parody would be a good example of that you know where you know like bob ross uh, or sorry what was it uh rob hoss (laughs) or rob boss uh was talking about happy little pizzas and each uh, character also uh, tied their uh, personality into the mission itself. So, yeah, it was a weird, weird amalgam of just things coming together <laughs> that actually worked out rather well. It, it really surprised me, to be perfectly honest. I was expecting it to be a hot mess, but it was pretty damn good, actually. Yeah. I also enjoyed it, but I did not play it as much as, as you did. Um mm-hmm. But, I mean, we got some direct, like on, on Twitter, we got a little bit of direct interaction with the devs for that. So Yeah. That that made, that always makes me happy whenever that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, well, uh, continuing on with the games I played and, well, odd games, uh, the Drop It Like a Hot Rock Award, you know, game that we just dropped pretty much instantly. And for me, it was Paradox Wrench. This was one I had to actually make note of because, you know, the games that you drop that quickly, you tend to not remember all that well. Right. And this is another one of those entries that is trying to emulate Portal, but 
didn't go through and play it with dev mode on uh, the uh, dev commentary to understand the lessons from Portal. So it tries to do uh, something a little bit different. It has a gun conda that uh, swaps what type of surfaces that you can land on. And also it could, uh, it's essentially a paint gun where you could swap the colors of certain objects. The thing is, it just kind of throws you into the deep end after a couple of levels and just doesn't explain any of its mechanics, which really, really frustrated me. And this is a, a trap that a lot of these first person portal like games fall into is just, they see a, uh, well, they see portal in this case, but it really, it's a, a trap of any kind of, knockoff game even though knockoff is probably a strong word for this uh these games that just don't really understand all those lessons of the game and they try to just emulate it yeah uh, and they don't uh, they put their own twist on things but don't really explain things they don't uh cook the uh, concept enough because there was some interesting things about paradox wrench but because they didn't explain how to handle the game mechanics itself. Well, yeah, I ended up dropping it. Well, like a hot rock. <laughs> uh, well played, sir. Well played for me. Uh, the game was Mex and Merck's black Talon. I had heard a lot of sort of mixed reviews about this game. And I thankfully I only paid a couple of bucks for it. Um, otherwise, I would have been very sorely disappointed. But it's one of those games that the first couple of hours are pretty good. And it's like, okay, there could be something here. And then after maybe hour three or so, the game just turns into a slog. The AI is ridiculously stupid. The difficulty, like they most levels have never-ending enemies until you capture the objectives that you need to but you have limited resources so you have to basically always be pushing forward or you're just going to be dwindled down over time occasionally uh, you can find a yeah occasionally you can find a defensible position on a map where you can rotate your troops and get them healed up and get ready to push forward um but it's just it's just boring I might could even get past that if the AI wasn't so brain dead. But they just basically kamikaze you constantly. And that's the only thing they know to do unless a specific mission has them pathing towards a certain objective or something like that. And uh, after the first couple of hours, like when you get your first mechs and you're able to do some customizing with them and you can completely customize each of the, the squads. Well, I say completely customized, but it, you can do things like set up uh, different weapon groups for them. Um, you can split squads like half and half. So if you want them to be, you know, part like half the squad have shotguns and half have uh, sniper rifles, you can do that. It's kind of silly, but you know, you can do things like that to give your your different groups that you create different sort of purposes. And there's RPG mechanics to it where that they level up, and you as a commander level up. Like there's a lot of good ideas here. And for the first couple of hours before the game really opens up to the, um, the the map because you are a mercenary group. So there's contracts you get to choose from as you go through the story. And um, until it gets to that point, it's pretty good because it's 
linear stuff. There's more linear objectives on the maps. But once it opens up and you realize, oh, this is it, I also dropped this like a hot rock. Uh, not as well played. Yeah, because you did it first. But, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? No, I thought it was uh, just laziness. <laughs> well, I'm pretty lazy, too, so I got it either way. But moving on from dropping things like Hot Rocks to the least favorite games we played in 2018. For me, and I swear this is not a bit of hyperbole, <laughs> it was Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, and I got even more mad at that game once I found out how it ended, how the story ended. Well, no spoilers, um, because I may want to play it at some point, but right, uh, it's, bad. it's that bad. So, yes. So you know how... My biggest gripe with the game is how it basically just constantly wastes your time with tedium and dealing with, ta- you know, just having everything takes too long. Two or three seconds to pat down every person when they die to loot them. You have to pick up every single item individually if you're picking something up, and it takes two or three seconds. It's like five seconds to get on and off of your horse. The game constantly has, forces you to put weapons like back into your horse inventory and only carry your pistols around and you have to go back and get them just all kinds of stuff like that that just waste so much time and then which i won't say i won't say what the spoiler is but there's a thing that happens in the game and then that problem gets worse and it continues to get worse for the rest of the game as a story conceit and i i can't i was gonna say but you don't want me to spoil so i can't say what it is but there's a well, thing I can take happens. my headset off for a few seconds. Um, do, if you, do you want to rant? Uh, no, it's okay. okay. I can keep it inside. But yes, oh, it, it, it makes that problem even worse. Um, adding additional things that you have to do and then making all, a lot of the stuff that you had previously done take even longer. So... It just, to me, the game is just a big waste of time. Compile that on top of all of the problems within Rockstar themselves, um, both how they treat their their dev teams and how they treat players more like, I mean, more like just like wallets, you know, like just things to bleed money with how many problems the online mode has. I just, yeah, it's it's horrible in my opinion. So yeah, least favorite game, 2018, Red Dead Redemption 2. What about you? Uh, for me, it would be The Flood. And I use the term game here loosely. This is a narrative experience. And according to the Steam Store page, a five-minute narrative experience. And they're not wrong. They... Uh, and to be fair, it is a free-to-play game, but it's one of those things that, wow, right? Yeah. It's a uh, visually appealing game, and actually got a review code of it, which, you know, the fact that they sent out review codes for this is a, you know, a little shocking. But five minutes. Uh, it's, you know, it's so short that it's just mind-boggling, blo- you know. And, yeah, it was just, it left a foul taste in my mouth when I realized what this is it. I mean, it doesn't even really give a good narrative. It's, it's an experience game. It's, it's like those games for VR where they are 
experiences and very, very short, only, you know, it doesn't have the flash of VR. And it's five fucking minutes. <laughs> right. I remember you talking about this game and you were like, I mean, you can do it over, but there's not really much reason to. Yeah, yeah there's no point. There's no collectibles. There's uh, the story is incredibly basic. It tries to be deep, but, you know, it it just falls flat. It's just going down a river. Right. A lazy river. Mm-hmm. Not even any rapids to mix it up. Yeah, and now for the complete opposite of a five-minute game, the Time Sink Award. <laughs> Excellent segue, my friend. Uh, the game that we played for at least 50 hours or more. And, well, for me, that would be Battletech. And one of the many times this game is going to be mentioned tonight. <laughs> Indeed. The first of a few. Yeah, Battletech, uh, this was the game club game that I played the most this year. Or uh, this past year, I guess I should say. And uh, there's a lot to it. It's one of those games that's easy to pick up and learn, but uh, very hard to master. Uh, But at the same time, the game also kind of dicks you over in uh, certain ways that starts to get a little bit predictable. So, But that's something that only really comes out when you get to the time sink award levels of gameplay where you start to see, okay, it's this map. If there's going to be an ambush, it's going to be either here or here. But that's just the fact that, you know, I played it so damn much. Yeah. So I won't talk too much about it at this point because at the end of my list, it's there a a few times. But, um, you know, we have a rule that aside from the, uh, like in all the normal categories, we can only use a game twice. Um, Mm -hmm. Otherwise, Battletech would have been here also because I played Battletech for 401 hours in 2018. Uh so that was, I mean, that was the game I played. I played Battletech more than I think most of the rest of the games that I played combined for the entire year. Um, you know, some of that was right time or good timing when it released, I guess, because that was right before I started my new job at, at the clinic. So I wasn't like for two weeks, I wasn't seeing any clients. I was just at home. My kid was at school. So I was just playing games like crazy before I started work. And when I say games, I mean Battletech like crazy before I started work. Um, And it was the Game Club game for that month. Um, And then I started modding it and creating my own mods for it. And then I I took a pretty big hiatus um, until the most recent or until the recent um, first DLC or expansion or whatever came out. And then I've been hitting it pretty hard. Um, and maybe, and I'll, I'll save some of that probably for talking about later for when mm-hmm. I talk about why. Yeah, you got to save it for your there. own talk because you, you, know, you really should be talking about your uh, game right now. Indeed. So the game that I picked, because there were, there were, I think I had four games that I played for more than 50 hours in 2018. Um, and the one that I choose to go with or to put down was Elite Dangerous. Uh, I, I picked Elite back up around the start of the new year. Um, They had a really big uh, expansion or no, they moved to like their next season. Um, So they do several large uh, updates or expansions or whatever per season. And they had just wrapped up a season. So I jumped in to play all of that content and played through it. And I mean, I love Elite Dangerous. Um, You know, you can do so many different things with that game. If you want to focus in more on it, there's a lot of lore to go through 
um, and learn. There's a bit of a story now. It's not exactly like a full-blown single-player story. Think of it more almost like an MMO-type story where that there's big players and they'll send you on missions and you do the missions and, and come back and learn things about the lore of the universe. Um, so there's there's a bit of a story that's in it now. You can also also just do your space trucking or space, you know, busing because um, you uh, people... Passenger transportation. I had to find the word there for a second. Passenger transportation is a so, thing you can uh, do now. American Way uh, truck sim. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you can also go mining. They revamped the mining system a lot, so I did that. They've completely revamped the modding or the mining system what about for this the newest. <laughs> Sorry, no fishing just yet. Ah, never mind then. Um, but I mean, you know, they had added the the content where you could land on planets for the last one. So, um. You know, I put 50 or 60 hours into it, just going through a lot of the new stuff. Um, and I'm actually getting ready to do that again with the latest expansion. They've added asteroid cracking. Um, so you can actually get do like deep core mining on asteroids for ultra rare materials and stuff. And I'm all about cracking asteroids. So I'll be getting into that at some point this year. I don't know when, but oh at my. some point. Indeed. Indeed. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Definitely looking forward to that. So, uh, Discovery Q. We still we've been doing Discovery Q for a while now, and we added. I think we added this category this year for best yeah. Discovery Q game. Um, yeah, we started keeping track by we we mean me, uh, keeping yeah. track of all the games that we had in the Discovery Q, and then picked one. Maybe we should have done worse for Discovery Q as well, but we typically just toss those and don't really yeah. talk about them. So. so something has to be uniquely like. I don't know, look bad for it to show up as a worst game. I typically just avoid those. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, um, it was a more recent one, which I I did keep track. I had my own like document of ones that really stood out to me that I liked from Discovery Q this year. Um, I didn't put down every game, but anything that was like, hmm, that's like uniquely like something I'm I love or I'm into. Uh, and towards the end of the year, I found this game called Phantom Brigade, which looks like um, a very modern version of the old front mission games, which are tactical turn-based mech battles. So, you know, surprise, surprise there. But instead of it being, you know, the slow um, battle tech mech warrior type of mechs, they're sort of in between mecha and mechs. Um, you know, they're bigger and a little bit slower. They're not full-on like anime mecha. But there, there is some speed to them, and you do have some sort of fan, you know, fantastic like over the top like laser weapons and things like that. Um, and the trailer for this game just looks like you took Front Mission Four, updated the graphics, gave it a little bit of a of a different art style, but very similar art style, and just plonked it down in in modern times. So you know, this game could turn out to be total garbage, but again, it's something that hits all of my buttons: turn based strategy games, max you know, sci-fi stuff. I am all about it. And I'm hardcore looking forward to this game. Uh, and for, and for me, uh, I ended up uh, getting life is strange Two in my discovery queue list. And from everything that I've heard, I've tried to avoid spoilers, but basing it off how much we both loved, uh, the first life is strange. Uh, you know, uh, it's one of the ones that really stood out to me. <laughs> And it's kind of an unfair advantage for this one, to be perfectly honest. But uh, that is the 
Life of the Discovery Key, right? Complete randomness. Yeah. Okay, not complete randomness. Yeah, uh, randomness as divine by algorithms. Right. And of but, course, uh, people trolling the tags. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, though, who knows how the Steam algorithms work, really? Might as well be well, random. Well, to be fair, uh, even Steam may not know how the algorithms work, but uh, if they implement the algorithms in a certain way, just because of how machine learning works. Right. You know, it's basically they start things, put it in a box, and then you know magic happens, and they don't even know how it works now. A little scary when you think about it, huh? Yeah. Tag Speaking comes of in, scary tag things, goes out, can't explain it. Speaking of scary things, how about proof that Steam Direct was a mistake? Another new award. This was, uh, well, especially when I was still getting review code, I would be going through practically all the upcoming releases. And some of them were really bad. So we started, well, once again, I started making a list of some of the worst of the worst. And our rule was that it has to still be active on Steam as of recording. Mm -hmm. Because there were some that were, you know, released just as troll games, particularly uh, uh, homophobic games out of Russia. That, you know, would easily make the list, I think, for either of us. But because they kept getting pulled, you know, they are ineligible. So uh, both of us have more of a concept. But mine also is a direct game as well. That's also kind of been uh, dipped in the bud, but eh. Mine is Achievement Idler Black, which there were quite a few Achievement Idler games. Essentially, all these games were, it was an an executable, and some uh, some of them did have a very rudimentary, rudimentary platformer or some sort of game attached to them. But then they started deciding, you know, we don't even need to pretend this is a game, just a blank screen. And Achievement Island Lord Black is literally a black screen with a little bit of text on it that says Achievement Island Lord Black. And then it just starts firing 5,000 achievements in sequence when it doesn't bug out because, you know, these Achievement Island games also have a tendency to be buggy pieces of shit and not even give all the achievements, which is kind of ironic, huh? Yeah. The, the sole purpose of these is just to pad achievement uh, numbers, and they can't even do that right. But yeah. Achievement Island Black, I think it's the worst of the worst because it's literally just a blank screen. Thankfully, Steam did eventually dip this in the bud and made it where, unless you had a certain threshold, you could only have so many achievements. But, you know, uh, you know kids these days, right? Yeah. The kids these days. So mine was, I went through, and again, I kept a list of, of some things that really stuck out to me as bad. I don't think I kept as many as you. But the one thing that I kept putting on there were these different sort of really shitty, ridiculous, useless anime porn like puzzle type games. And the, like the the most common, or not the most common, but the, the one that like made the, made the less least amount of sense to me were the little tile puzzles where you like click on it and yeah yeah, the sliding tile puzzles and i just i don't understand this on so many levels like if you want to watch porn or hentai just go to the internet one it'll be better two it'll be free 
And three, it's not some garbage game wasting hard drive space. I mean, I I get that there are you know people out there who buy this stuff and like I get it, I get it. And the people who make these games are just shoveling them on there, hoping that they can make a quick buck from the that very small amount of people who are into this or for some reason can't get their porn any other way. Mm-hmm. But I hate just constantly seeing the my Steam queue. Like there would be sometimes that my Steam Discovery queue would be eight of this type of game. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't I don't want to see this. Not because of the porn, but because it's just like I just want to see real games, not this garbage. So I just and that happened with other things too, but for some reason the, those the anime poor games really stuck out to me. It might be well, because uh, there was so much so controversy, low, and they're also so low effort. Yeah, because they were essentially just well, their asset flip of the game framework itself. Because all of them were pretty much the same, except for the artwork, and the artwork was typically either stolen or you know just altered just enough so it wouldn't uh, get a uh, reversed image searched. Yeah. So just, it was just a huge, you know, confab- but, confabulation of things. But also the thing is that these games uh, would sell because they typically, if they were able to get the steam trading cards and the backgrounds and everything, they would have anime and anything that has anime in it immediately gets you know, some sort of absurd multiplier on the steam marketplace. That's very true. I didn't think of that. But all of the more visual novel anime type games that I have cards for, they are all worth at least double digits, you know, in mm-hmm. the in the cents value, oftentimes around 20 cents. I've had some that have been a little more, some that have been a little less, but oh, there's been a, a couple is, that I sold for 50 to 70 cents per card. Yeah, I've had some that have been like that, but I, I feel like the average is, is around 20 to 25 cents. Um. I had one. I got a foil one that I sold for like two bucks. Damn. I was very happy about that. But yeah, I I guess that that does make sense that I didn't think about it, but it doesn't make me any, any yeah, more accepting of it. The thing is they have to hit a certain threshold in order, order to unlock it now. Yeah. So, you know, they're, uh, Steam is slowly adapting to try to foil these guys, but yeah, Steam Direct was a mistake. Steam Direct was a mistake. Okie dokie. Um, so we are ready to start block number three with our first category, the niche scratcher. Ew. <laughs> so for me, this turned out to be Euro slash American Truck Simulator. Essentially the same game. I do know, you know, obviously there's differences because of the different trucks and the maps and styles of things, but essentially the same game managing a trucking company. Um, although doing a lot of the driving, especially in the beginning yourself and just this, like there's just something so Zen about this game. And every time I tell someone in my life, who's not a gamer about it, they're like, but why though? And I'm like, it's just relaxing. It's um, driving. Uh, th- it's a relaxing drive without the danger of, you know, nodding off or getting too relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I love driving in real life, you know, I enjoy just occasionally, I don't do it as much anymore, 
but I used to, I would just get in my car and go for a drive somewhere. Never been before. Enjoy the drive, take in the sights, you know, find somewhere to do a little speeding because I do have a sports car, but you know, I, I used to enjoy doing that. And this is sort of a way to do that without one, like you said, um, you know, getting out, being in danger of nodding off. I don't have to worry about getting too tired or anything like that. Um, and also it's way cheaper than to go drive around. Um, and I get to stay home. And I mean, it's great for plowing through podcasts or audiobooks. Um, not so great for watching stuff because it is still driving. And unless you turn off all of the the realism stuff so that, you know, you don't get fines for speeding and crashing into things and whatnot. Honestly, once you get past a certain point, the fines don't even matter. Yeah, I know. But, you know, unless you turn all that stuff off, you need to at least be watching the road. But um, I spent a lot of time playing these two games this year, just relaxing. It was a great way to de-stress and decompress after hard days at work. Um, you know, after dealing with stuff all day with people, just come home, sit back, chill, truck a little and listen to some podcast or something. Just perfect knee scratcher type of game. And for me, it's uh, actually a bit more niche, I think, uh, because it's the Blackwell series, which is a set of, Technically not episodic, but episodic, uh, point and click adventures. Uh, they're not considered an episodic game because they were released too far apart. And, you know, it, I think they actually started to release before Telltale kind of really set the standard for the episodic game. Uh, but they're a little bit longer than what a typical episodic game would be. But, you know, I just got all of them in one single block. Uh, the Blackwall series is a set of fairly old school point click adventures where you control, depending on the game, uh, a descendant of the Blackwell line. Uh, so far, I've played two different uh, female uh, characters of the Blackwell uh, family. Uh, Rosetta, Rosetta, and I'm blanking on her aunt that she also that was also a playable character in one, but they are both mediums. They're not rare. They're not well done. They're medium. <laughs> I don't uh, think no, that's exactly what you mean. No, they're spiritual mediums where uh, they're able to see ghosts and they have a spiritual god by the name of Joey. This essentially 1940s mobster <laughs> uh, who has the attitude that you may expect. Uh, loud brass, but slowly kind of uh, you know, warms to the, well, the different characters. And you go through and you, it's technically a detective game where you're trying to solve what happened to these ghosts and help them pass on to the afterlife with a larger overarching story slowly unfolding. I'm three of five games through now, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a very niche title because there's, there are a fair number of point and click games out there. But there's not a lot of detective games out there. So, yeah, you know, this is like a double niche for me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And also, this is a more of an old school. It's not Sierra hard where, you know, death is around every corner. But uh, there's some obtuse things that I did have to look up. Mostly because I was just wanting to enjoy the story and not get frustrated. Uh, if you're not looking up uh, things and just using the in-game hits, it's 
each one's probably about four to five hours, which isn't bad for, you know, this type of game, you know, as a quick bite to go into a larger story. Uh, music is pretty good. Voice acting is slowly getting better. Uh, the first uh, episode's voice acting, the first game's voice acting sucks. They still haven't invested in the power of the pop filter. <laughs> but Joey's voice actor was very shouty. They didn't mix him correctly. And he ended up just blowing out the mic several times to the point where it was just gibberish, which you could probably pass off because he is a ghost. But, you know, it takes me out of a little bit. So it's not quite there. But, yeah. Right. If you're looking for a, a, you know, a niche title, there's one for you. So, on to the greatest disappointment of the year. Anything gaming related. For me, loot boxes. They're still a thing. Yep. Loot boxes are back already? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's just the fact that uh, we haven't dealt with this, you know? That's my disappointment. Because I would have thought that, you know, Things would have started to move by now to the point where, you know, game devs, game publishers would be a little bit leery, but no. Yeah. It's just disappointing to me. I'm sorry. Disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've already made my feelings about loot boxes known, but it is disappointing that it, this is still going on. And such an issue and the fact that it honestly just feels like it's going to get worse. Hmm. I don't. It's definitely going to get worse. The question is, will it get better? Because yeah, I mean, well, we could always become an anime podcast. <laughs> oh my! I don't. That doesn't sound like the worst idea. But the thing is, is I don't have enough background knowledge of anime. You know, like game. I could do gaming, and I could do film. Those are the two things that I could do without too much, uh, just because I've in- invested a lot of time in my life to those two things. No, and I uh, like it's anime. Simple. It's simple. Uh, every week I subject you to the first few episodes of a new episode or a new series. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> I don't or... have time to do a spinoff show. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If we ever give up on video game logic, we can move over and try something <laughs> with anime, like. I don't know what we would call it. I just it. sold you on this idea immediately, Dana. Especially since I've had a pretty good track record of subjecting you to things. Fever fever pitch or fever dream or... I don't, I don't know what, what we would call it, but yeah. That's a really good idea for a show. Or just a segment. I'm going to go see later. I'm going to go see if that's actually a show. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's an idea somewhere already. Oh, I know... Um... Cinemasker uh, does it uh, with uh, one of their uh, uh, hosts. Uh, they uh, has a ho- they have a host that haven't hasn't watched a lot of classic films. Yeah, so they'll force them to watch a you know, uh, whatever classic film or whatever you know commonly considered good film, and uh, you know, they talk about it. Yeah, now that I think of it, there is a show that I know of that did something similar. It was called Odd Man Out. And there were three of them. And every week they would, two of them would be into something and the third person wouldn't be. And so the two people that were would make the third person 
watch or do the thing that they weren't interested in or had never participated in before. Like two of them loved Firefly. So one week they made the person binge watch Firefly and then they talked about it on the podcast. And they would just like rotate the person who was being forced to do the thing. (laughs) Because that could be really frustrating if you ended up being the odd man out too often. Yeah. Um, For me, the biggest disappointment of 2018 gaming related uh, had to be Fallout 76. This is going to show up. Yeah. See, the the thing for me was Fallout 76 didn't even register as greatest disappointment because my standards were so low for it. You know, I I had no expectations of it. I didn't expect it to be good. I was really hoping for something along the lines of Elder Scrolls Online, which Elder Scrolls Online is not as good as the mainline Elder Scrolls games, but it's a different, um, you know, it's an MMO. Like they, they went full MMO with it. And I was hoping for something similar with Fallout 76. And I did get really excited at E3. Um, you know, I I didn't break the rules. No pre-orders, obviously. No, nothing like that. I don't have it. But, uh, you know, I was, I, I've been invested in the Fallout series for a long time. I mean, my first game was Fallout 3. But after playing Fallout 3, I went back and I've played the previous games. Um, yeah, I keep meaning to go back to play the previous ones, but I never do. Like, I think maybe fa- that could be a game club at some point. From the older ones, Fallout 2, in my opinion, is better than the original Fallout. But, you know, that's just based on my personal experience coming to the the games way, way, way after release. Um, I really like the tactics game. Uh, What was it called? Brotherhood? Was it Brotherhood Tactics or Brotherhood? Brotherhood Steel Tactics or something like that. Yeah, that one was my favorite. And a lot of people don't like that one. But, you know, I like turn-based strategy games, so... You know, I was into that, but I mean, I've been a, a pretty big fan of the Fallout series for a long time. Um, uh, and the fact that Fallout 76 just mutilates the lore from what I've been told. Yeah. Fallout 76 ruins a bunch of stuff. It messes up the timelines, even for the original games. Um, okay. And okay. they just like, I, I just figured out how we're going to f- fix Fallout. All right. Okay. In the next game. All right. Uh, when they do Fallout 5, because you know, this is going to be a thing. All right. Yep. Opening sequence, you're in Appalachia, all right? In Fallout 76. All right, you're walking uh, through and the world flickers. Not unusual in Fallout 76, but uh, hear me out. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then suddenly the game goes dark and a simulation pod opens up. It was never real. That would be an uh, amazing it's, uh, icon. It's, it's Fallout uh, 3 Anchorage. It's what yes. they think uh, was uh, happened around Appalachia at that time. And then Fallout 5 is what actually happened. And it has damn NPCs. You're welcome, Bethesda. Yeah. That would be that would be good. I can handle that. <laughs> but yeah, I just... And then, you know... But, it, but they have co-op. They have proper co-op. Yeah, Not proper co-op. MMO, just co-op. And it does continue on past just the game. Because if the game had just been bad and that was it, it would have sort of faded, I think, by now. But just thing after thing keeps happening. The failure conga? Yeah. Well, did you hear about the latest one? There's another one? <laughs> of course there is! I don't, think, I don't think I have. This came out today. There's rumors that uh, Fallout 76 is going to go free-to-play, and they're pulling... Uh, some uh, realtors have been shown uh, being pull, pulling the copies off the shelves. 
Uh, Bethesda's wow. refuting this, but yeah. Hey, if it goes free to play, I'd actually play it a little bit. I would go explore the map, and that's about it. Yeah, that's pretty much what I want to do is explore the map. That's like the most consistent good thing I've heard from people about it is the map is really um uh, uh, really Quest Design supposedly, supposedly sucks because they actually decided to replicate the DMV experience. Yeah, making you wait in line. That's one of the actual quests is you go to the DMV and you have to like get a form for something. And then you have to go across uh, the Capitol complex, get it stamped. Mhm. If that was just a side quest as a joke, but no, that's mainline quest. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if it goes free to play, I'd probably play it a little bit, explore the map, but otherwise, yeah. Okay, so you're up. Right. So now it's on to the uh, the the Jesse Cox Award. Award, indeed, the Jesse Cox Award. Um. Yeah, but this isn't the golden cock. No. So the thing that just, I don't, games have too many additions nowadays, right? <laughs> like there's just too many. I, I can understand maybe having two, threes pushing it, but it's like you've got your regular and some kind uh, of As soon as you edition. need a, a spreadsheet. Yeah, as soon as you need a spreadsheet or a chart or a PowerPoint. And like the specific example I used was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which had nine different editions of the game, with there being three editions that were more expensive and higher up than the ultimate edition. So I just like, we don't need this. Two, two is plenty. You get your regular game edition for like everybody. And then you get... Your special edition for the people who want something collectible. Maybe Honestly, a uh, third one that's like a complete edition that it, you know, you comes with all future stuff. Uh, now, really now, which one has the nylon, bla- the nylon bag? We just get rid of that altogether. No nylon bags. I, you know, even though I make fun of it at times, I wouldn't mind seeing the collector's edition not have the game or have a second version of the collector's edition that's the same thing, only gameless. That just reduces it the however much the game was, you know, sixty some dollars or something. Yeah, uh, as an option for people that want to wait until they actually have damn reviews, and then you know, like you know, this game was pretty cool. I, I want to get some uh, of the you know uh, the swag for it without having to you know just wait till it ends up at Goodwill or something. Yeah, or paying three prices for it to scalpers on eBay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just there's just right, there's no, that's too uh, much. really yeah positive uh, for the consumer. Yeah, and, and also don't and, do that. and also the collector's edition is well a collector's item, so they don't want to do too many of them. Yeah, but yeah, there's just too many editions of games these days. Just yeah. too many. Yeah, and for my maybe I'm old, which I don't think there's any maybe to it anymore. It's the defense of microtransactions. Where uh, and this kind of ties into your uh, uh, one where there's so many different versions. The games uh, to get a complete version of the game, it's no longer sixty dollars. It's a hundred dollars. It's a hundred and twenty. It's a hundred and fifty. And then they still have damn mi- uh, microtransactions in them. Uh, cosmetic microtransactions that used to be unlocks. It used to be cool Easter eggs. You know, uh, get all the collectibles, you'll get uh, this uh, alternate costume or something. But now it's a DLC. 
and people talk about, well, yeah, you know, it's to pay for the game. It's to, uh, but no, it's marketing. That's all it is. Uh, the game development price hasn't risen that much. It's the price of the marketing where it's becoming more and more of a chunk of it. And on top of that, you're seeing uh, the publishers are taking a larger chunk of this for the suits that do absolutely nothing. The developers don't get as much. But still, you, know, you have to have microtransactions to pay for everything. No, you don't. No. I agree. You don't. The, uh, the, the flip side of this is maybe to run multiplayer servers, but multiplayer servers don't require that much money. The fact that microtransactions start at a dollar is just ludicrous to me to begin with. But the reason why that's a thing, you know, uh, why you know you have to have uh, the microtransactions to run the multiplayer servers, is because they axed community-run dedicated servers. Or even more annoying, they put in microtransactions to run the servers. And the servers are literally just a matchmaking server, and everybody does direct connection to a uh, to a host. Why? Why do you need that much money? And also, get the fuck off my lawn. Because <laughs> they feel like they need all the money. They can't have just lots of money or most of the money. They need yeah. all of the money. Yeah, the term "money left on the table" is just such an irritating damn thing because yeah that so many executives see that now <sighs> and yep. there's no such thing as yeah doing something for the goodwill of the consumer anymore yeah, well i shouldn't say there isn't there you see small examples of it and sometimes it's them you know kind of making a joke uh the spider-man uh, uh photo mode where they had the decals of the wall of the puddles to make fun of you know oh the game's been de- uh, downside or uh, uh down rendered because the uh, puddles look different, which is a little bit extreme. But eh, them t- making fun of it a little bit, yeah. You know, to me, that yeah you know, is a little bit of consumer goodwill. Yeah, you know, just kind of a nudge uh, and a wink of hey, yeah, we get it, you know. Yeah, but also Spider Man is also a bit of an odd duck in the AAA scene to begin with. Yeah, speaking of odd ducks the video game logic award where it's just yeah video game logic applied right yeah for me pizza titan ultra again because it's a giant mech with a pizza robot in it and in order to deliver said pizza rocket fist and they shoot it through the side of the building Mm -hmm. video game logic right there right never mind that we just destroyed your home here's your pizza and, uh, you know, depending on the level, you know, half the uh, city or more. That was also an interesting one. Okay, I want you to destroy 80% of the uh, city. And then deliver me a pizza. <laughs> we're, we're the bad guys. No, we're the pizza guys. Indeed. Okay, what's yours? Mine is uh, Lady Killer and a Bind. So this is a visual novel-esque game I talked about way early in 2018. I believe I played it in February or maybe March. Um, And in this game, you are playing the twin 
sister um, go in place of your brother and you have to fool everyone on this entire cruise ship, which is high school students, but everyone is drinking because they're in international waters and getting into shenanigans. Um, so shenanigans are ensuing? Shenanigans are ensuing. And you have to you have to fool everyone into thinking that you are your brother and also win this weird competition. And there are multiple people who point out, you know, you're not you sound weird. Are you okay? And you're like, oh yeah, I've got a cold. It's like, oh uh, okay. And then it's like you even like you can um have there are two people, well, there are multiple people you can have relationships with, uh, that all end in in sexual encounters of one sort or another. Um and all of them are like, oh, you're a girl? Forget, you know, it's like, it, it, it's even like someone that you'd had, uh, that had a previous relationship with you. Like you can have, um, you can have the sex with them. And they're like, oh, I didn't know you were a girl. It's like, what do you mean? Just that, just like video game logic of like, I look like the person. So I must be the person, even though I don't sound like mm-hmm. them or act like them. I mean, it's a great game. It's fun um, as well. As- uh, it's the spy uh, uh, from Team Fortress 2, the paper mask. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was just like the biggest example that I played this year, I thought. Um. So speaking of biggest things, the biggest video game flop that isn't Evolve. Is this the only category <laughs> that we both agreed on? Um, I think so, actually. <laughs> do you oh, want to do the honors? Uh, Fallout 76. I mean, come on, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's really nothing else this year that fits into this category. Um. You know, I had a couple of other thoughts before settling on Fallout 76. I, uh, about, I had no other thoughts. I mean, it was instantly Fallout 76. I thought about the Command & Conquer mobile game. Um, and then uh, I also, The only other one that would even uh, register for me is Artifact. Yeah, I thought about Artifact as well. Um, but, but I mean... Uh, but to me, Fallout 76 was too high profile. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a Fallout game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> Fallout 76 just, it's hilariously bad uh, on uh, just how well it's done, you know, or how well it's sold, I should say. Yeah, it it's just, God, so you still bad. Hit oh. the, you still hit the staunch supporters, you know, the staunch defenders, but they seem to be a dying breed, to be perfectly honest. And if they yeah. go, if that game does go free to play, like, you know, some of the rumors suggest, which honestly, with the microtransaction store in place, you know, it wouldn't be a stretch. All they would have to do is add stuff like, you know, uh, storage space and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, and, if someone's... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to I was just saying that, you know, it, it's, it, it just kind of dawned on me. Triple A games are built like free-to-play games to the degree that if you drop the price tag, it really wouldn't matter to the bottom line. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's been a pretty big trend uh, over 2017, I mean, I mean, just to the point where Fallout 76 is a premium free-to-play game. Let's be honest. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I realized things had gotten bad, but I just you know kind of made that you know connected the dots. Like, oh shit, <laughs> they only need to add like one thing. Yeah. Uh, well, one or two things. Yeah, you know, you know, stash space and probably character slots. Mm-hmm. And then I se- extremely, you know, severely reduce the price or make it free, mm-hmm. and then boom, got it. I will say that if someone is genuinely able to enjoy Fallout seventy six, more power to you. Like, you know, if you're out there, I'm, and I'm sure there are some people out there because there's always at least a few for anything that actually really enjoy it for one reason. I would or say another. probably the explorers, you know, the people that are enjoying the map. Yeah. And for those people, like that's awesome. I'm really glad that you love something that most people don't. That's great. And I'm not trying to like completely poop on your joy, but God, or rain on the parade. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it Fallout 76 was a huge flop, big fail this year. And uh makes me even more nervous than I already was for their <laughs> next couple of big titles. Honestly, it's made me look back at uh, some of the older Bethesda things and like, is it as good as I remember? Uh, to yeah. be honest, uh, Skyrim has already done that. So, Yeah. And the thing is, is it's like they took out, and I mean, you know, we've had this conversation. They took out everything that makes a Bethesda game a Bethesda game and left all the bugs and left all of the poor design. Well, I thought you said they took out everything that made it a Bethesda game. Well, I mean, they took out all of the interesting storytelling and characters. Yeah, but they left in the bugs, so, you know. They took out all the best parts of what makes a good Bethesda (laughs) game. They took out the best stuff and left all the trash. Also known as the combat in a Fallout game. Yeah. I mean, let's be perfectly fair. Fallout uh, in uh, the modern 3D Fallouts, not exactly stellar. Fallout 4 was pretty good. Um, You know... There yeah, but definitely... yeah, but that's starting to yeah move away from the Fallout formula already to become a shooter. Yeah, yeah, Fallout Four's got a lot of of shooter DNA <clears throat> in the way that it it plays and handles, which does result in some pretty satisfying gunplay at times. And then when it's not, you can just use Vats, which doesn't really work the same in Fallout seventy six. So another well, big you don't like auto aim? No, not really. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so I guess it's my turn for the least favorite game club game to wrap up. Indeed. Let's wrap up this block. Uh, for me, it has to be Divinity Dragon Commander just uh, because it was such a pain in the ass to actually do the dragon commanding or commanding of the dragon. It's just, I think if I spent more time with it, maybe I would have enjoyed it more, but it just got so damn frustrating to me. And the fact that the AI... Uh, felt like it cheated way too much and uh, that in combination with the controls never feeling quite right because uh, it does the uh, that weird you know you're controlling a character but you also have to manage your army at the same time because they're just going to sit around with their thumbs up their asses if they don't if they had it where you could queue up orders, then go to uh, dragon mode. I think it'd be a lot better, but you really couldn't because just how the game handled uh, attack move or the complete lack thereof. Yeah. Uh, that that would have been the main thing. If they had attack move, you know, send your army out and then go in and support them as the dragon. Queue up your army to you know do a flanking maneuver and then draw fire with the dragon. 
but they didn't yeah. do that. Basically what I would do when I was dragoning and it up was I would just, cause you could command all, like you could select all and then order all to move. Yeah, but that's yeah, but that's not really tactics. That's just throwing a, de- a death. Yeah, ball. I was, I was going to say so. I would just death ball it. But and that's yeah. not really all that interesting to me. Yeah, that's fair. I had a really hard time with this one. We played a lot of really good yeah, games for good, Game Club. Oh, um, uh, year this year. Yeah. So and basically, I, and I realize I see the sub note for this, so I'm not too upset. But I also yeah. know that uh, it triggered something else in you, so I could understand why. Right. So the game that I picked was Dwarf Fortress. And I put a little note beside it that says, I like them all. Because I did. I really liked every Game Club game that we played this year. And the only reason I picked Dwarf Fortress um, was that it started triggering those feelings I get from from EVE Online. Just the way that it was just... There was just so much there. So much depth and complexity and so much you could do with it, which... And the fact know, that was, even if you uh, you know, play it for years, I was learning new things with the new version. Yeah, which, is, I mean, those are all compliments and very commendable for for the developers of the game. But, but it started triggering... Yeah, it started triggering those sort of... The only thing I've ever really, I think, been addicted to in my life was EVE Online. And it started triggering those feelings, and I had to put it down. <laughs> so... I, uh, that, that, that's a compliment if I ever heard one. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, did you ever go and read any of the Dwarf Fortress stories? Um, I haven't yet. Oh, uh, there's, uh, well, the most famous one is called Bro- Boat Murdered. It's about a succession game where uh, it was a series of overlords or uh, overseers, which is uh, kind of the canon, you know, what the player character is. You know, uh, just the overseer of the uh, uh, of the fortress. Yeah. Each year, essentially, you know, they would have a new overseer, and shenanigans started to ensue because people didn't like label things. <laughs> so, uh, for example, uh, there someone captured a bunch of war elephants and started training them, but you know, didn't leave notes that you know they were training war elephants. So the war elephant started to cause trouble, or someone built a uh, you know a doomsday device where you know uh, if you know shit starts to hit the fan, it starts flooding the map with lava, and then label which uh, lever does which. Oh, nice! So yeah, things like that. Uh, there's the dwarven super soldier project, also known as dwarven daycare, trying to make children useful. Uh, the fact that uh, Toadie One actually had to nerf uh, how much mermaid bones sold for because people started, uh, well, air drowning uh, mermaids and it rather disturbed them that they were actually breeding mermaids to kill them. <laughs> because mermaids in the game are a sentient being. Uh, so, yeah, I'll. Uh, this sounds like, you know. Oh, you monster that you love this game. And that's exactly why I love this game. There, there's been times I've been just going through Reddit and I see this just outrageous headline and it's either from r slash Dwarf Fortress or r slash RimWorld. And maybe that's a, another game club game that we should do is RimWorld. Yeah. We should uh, do you know, RimWorld. 
it's essentially Dwarf Fortress Lite. We should do Rim, well, RimWorld is out of our early access, so it's just I'm still playing the early access version. Right, because of your your channel. Yeah. Yeah, we Give should do RimWorld. <laughs> Ding. We should do RimWorld. We should do Factorio at some point. Because mm-hmm. I did do I did do Dwarf Fortress. I did it. I did yeah. the thing. Yeah, and, and uh, I had a little bit of a gaming night with a couple people, and I was actually enjoying Factorio when I was having time to sit down and really you know, get a feel for it. We will move on to block four, which is our final block for the show, which includes the the actual best of stuff. Mm-hmm. The the sort of most, at least in our mind, the most important awards. Uh, the first of which being the Gilded Bird for the dick big dick blah blah blah. The Gilded Bird for the biggest dick move of the year. Almost. I figured that you would want to get to the dick as soon as possible. Absolutely. So for me. I put Bethesda with the canvas bags and I originally put a question mark because I was like, I wonder if anything else is going to happen. How about just Bethesda? Yeah. The whole everything around Fallout 76 with the canvas bags, the data breach, the rum, the rum, their response to all of that. Like for the reason I picked the canvas bag to highlight is like when that guy was like, Hey, this isn't what we pre-ordered. And, Bethesda literally said, we don't intend to do anything about it. Just that was just, mm. but I mean, the community or the backlash forced them to do something. So I guess yeah, they that, gave out 500 atoms, which wasn't even enough to get a virtual canvas. Bag. Yeah. Virtual canvas bag. <laughs> so, oh yeah, just fuck you Bethesda for that. Yeah. Um, do not expect to have the next uh, Elder Scrolls in uh, the game club because I do not plan on getting it. That's which fine. Sands me. That's fine. I'm starting to back down from my position of I'm going to buy it because I'm just too big of a a fan. Like I'm old enough to not do that shit. We'll see how it goes when it comes out. Yeah, at least wait for reviews. Yeah, and then wait for the community patch. I might. What, I, what I'll probably do is it'll come out and it'll be a huge piece of shit and then we'll see if the modders are able to fix it and then buy it when it's on so sale. We are assuming that they allow modding in it. I know. Because uh, that was another thing for Bethesda was that they uh, were banning people that were using third part, well, third-party cheat software, which they, what they were calling it, but a lot of it was uh, mods that were just trying to you know, fix some of the issues. To be fair, there were cheat mods, but then they started having people write essays about using third-party software in their game. Yeah. <laughs> to get your account unbanned? God, that was another it was one. hilarious, but also uh, just, what the fuck, right? Yeah. It's like, you're not my third-grade teacher, Bethesda. Fuck off. Oh, but mine uh, is uh, more of just a singular moment. Blizzard, do you not have phones? Or don't you have phones? Yeah. Don't <laughs> just, you guys have phones? Oh, just <laughs> talk about being, uh, well, I'm not sure if it's out of touch or really trying to salvage things and saying the absolute worst thing possible because, oh, damn, that entire Diablo thing was just 
uh, you know, the, a huge applause. And then every time there was applause, there was less and less and less. And it was just comical to the point where during the Q&A session, <laughs> they were asking if this was an April Fool's joke because years ago, Bethesda, or sorry, Blizzard, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm used to Beth- talking about Bethesda when we're talking about tech moves and stupid things talked about doing a mobile version of Diablo as an April Fool's joke. And I didn't realize that at the time. And it was after the episode that uh, I saw that and thought, oh, shit, (laughs) they did. Yeah, I did not realize that until just now. So that's uh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, how the... Mighty have turned to shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, next up uh, is the I'll Be Back Award. The game you plan on returning to later for any reason. Or for me, it's one that I keep talking about going back to, and I'm going to make a commitment this time around. If my heart had wings, I want to do some of the other storylines. And since I have the Steam Link app, I could just lay on the couch and sit there and just uh, read. So I think yeah. it's going to be like the perfect uh, thing for the Steam Link app. Uh, just yeah, play it on my phone. Because uh, I think visual novels it would be a really good phone game. It's just you don't see a lot of them because they're locked down in the Google Play Store or the uh, iTunes Store. And a lot of them are a little bit too risque. Yeah. Yeah. I've played a couple of pretty good visual novels on yeah, but, on mobile yeah, but, devices, but yeah, I but also they have, aren't the hundred hour visual novels. That's the yeah, other thing. Yeah, I had. Uh, played, we're not talking about the you know the well uh, epic length not uh, visual novels, and that's why I really want to get into is whenever you know each one of the uh, long storylines is long enough to be its own game. Yeah, and that's something that you really don't see on uh, mobile. Or if you do, it's individual games instead of having all the uh, choices interact with one another. Yeah, and the mobile version of If My Heart Had Wings is different um, because they cut a bunch of stuff. Well, also, well, here's the other thing is that remember we decensored ours. Yeah. But also, uh, it's something interesting that may cause us to come back to it even if we choose not to do uh, another storyline, which we talked about privately is that the fan disc, which is essentially a prequel and a sequel to If My Heart Had Wings, is being released on Steam. And it has never been translated before. Interesting. Have to give, give I that just a happened to later. see that as I was uh, browsing through Steam one time. I hit another uh, uh, visual novel from the same dev, and I saw the news of them talking about the fan disc. Which is, uh, you know, uh, it's a side story. It's side stories, a prequel, and a sequel all rolled into one. (laughs) Yeah. And that was one of the things I really wanted to do with it. My heart had wings, but I never was able to find a translation. Nobody ever went through it because they all focused on the main game. So come on, let's hear your four. So I I had a hard time choosing. And I've talked about each of these except for one of them already in some, some capacity. So I put... No Man's Sky, Elite Dangerous, uh, Monster Hunter World, and Factorio down. So, you know, I mentioned with the the Reconsideration Award, No Man's Sky, saying I'd come back to that, so I won't focus on that. I talked about Elite Dangerous, so I was saying that I wanted to start the new season, play through that content, so I won't focus on that. 
Um, Factorio kind of talked about that a little bit with the early access. Um, and also we just mentioned maybe doing it for a game club in the future. So, you know, won't spend too much time on that. On that. So out of these four, Monster Hunter World. Um, I played this game, how long did I play Monster Hunter World for? 15 or so hours, give or take. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. But there was a lot of stuff that was still missing because um, they were they've done set it up as a more of a, a live service type of game. Um, there's no, I mean, there are microtransactions and stuff in the game, but as far as I have been able to tell from playing, um, the the game has always been super grindy. So if it did affect the game balance in that way, some of the things that you can get. Um, the game is already very grindy, so not trying to give it a pass, but it's much more difficult to spot. Um, the gameplay loop is enjoyable. It runs great on my system. I love it. I just have been waiting to see if more people in the community pick it up because it is a game that demands to be played with other people. Um, and the way that their story works is that if you're not at the exact same point in the story, uh, one person doesn't make any progression at all. It's just like the whoever is in charge is leading the other person around. So if the higher level player is in charge, the low, lower level player never progresses their story. And if the lower level player is in charge, the higher level player basically is completely unchallenged uh, and is bored. So they've been doing some stuff to try and fix that. But basically, I'm hoping that this year it goes on sale good enough that maybe I could... Uh, gift copies to a couple of people or some other people in the community will pick it up and we can play it. Actually, I haven't seen. Let me look real quick and see if anyone else. Oh, it's 40 bucks. Is that its regular price or is it on sale? Oh, it's on sale. So Death Saber has it, although I, I haven't heard from him in forever. So is he still also, alive? Huh? Should I go get my cane and poke him? <laughs> Maybe. Um, but he also, I believe, lives in Germany. So some pretty big time difference there might be hard to overcome. But regardless, like I hope that I can get it for some people in the community or some community members get it to play together. And even if they don't, I want to go back to it and play through the rest of the story anyways. Because, um, I mean, fighting giant monsters is really cool. Um, and I want to... I want to play some yeah, more games. It's a shame that, uh, that the game club the game that we had that were that was doing that. Uh, yeah, we both hated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help myself. Yeah, no, you're fine. But uh, yeah, I, I just in general, I want to play through like to completion more games this year than I have. And not like, I'm not saying like, I want to play through one game a month or whatever, but just like, if I start a game, unless it, I just like hate it, I would like to finish it. And I'm maybe a quarter of the way through the story of Monster Hunter World. So I want to go back and finish it. So that is that. Uh, our next award on the list, I don't have a good segue for this, is the Uncanny Valley Award. Yeah, your uh, segue was so bad, it was uncanny. Oh, nice save. So for me, I picked a game called Loot Box Quest. I don't want to put a check mark or a question mark beside this. So Loot Box, Loot Box Quest is a little bit of a, a satire or I'm not sure if it count is more satire or more parody of the whole loot box and live service type of game. It's a clicker game. 
Um, so you might be thinking, well, how is that, you know, uncanny valley type stuff? But the beginning of the game before you get to sort of not the twist, but where the game evolves into something different is you are um, tediously like clicking away. You don't get any auto anything for a while in order to at least with that attitude in order to air quotes progress the the game that you're playing and then it's like well it would just be better if i got a job and you know worked and earned money and then bought like the loot boxes and microtransactions so then you have to do that um and instead of playing the game you go and you you know work your job air quotes by clicking away and then eventually you know as you progress start doing things that can automate that for you um and then the game really takes it to the next level going through all the way up to like lobbying government and things like that it's man i i played it and i was like hmm hmm this is feels a little too real (laughs) yeah even though it's just a clicker game like this feels a little too real for me yeah, mine is more of a general concept than anything else. It's the fact that we now have explicit games on Steam. The fact that they were so against them for ages, and now you could uh, hit a game that is just uh, flat-out porn is just uncanny to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I I remember the days where Steam was like, uh-uh, you can't uh, there have was a new, uh, There was a nipple. No. So a little bit too much of butt over there. Got to get rid of that. Yeah, they've gone from pure port, a puritan to just yeah. I don't care. It's uh, to a certain degree because they have been uh, cracking down on. Oh well, that character looks a little young. Can we see an ID? They went from puritan to puritaint. Ah. Uh. Yeah. I will not apologize for art. Yeah, because that was artfully bad. I'll take it. Uh, but things that weren't artfully bad is our best game club games. Indeed. And, well, we know you're, so we could just skip you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Battletech, guys. In case you haven't figured it out, I really like Battletech. Uh, for me, it, it, you would think Dwarf Fortress, but... To me, that is kind of uh, defeating the purpose of the game club, which was to kind of introduce us to games that we wouldn't otherwise play or introduce us to things that were new. And Dwarf Fortress, I have a lot of hours in. And yes, it's still a learning experience. Yes, I didn't play that particular version before, but it felt like it wasn't with the spirit of the game club. So I skipped it. And I went to my second favorite, which was The Wolf Among Us. I would say Telltale's best uh, if you don't like zombies. Uh, episodic game where they... Uh, it, was it the one that they released immediately after the first season of The uh, Walking Dead or uh, second uh, after? It, it was very close to it. I know that much. But it's clear that the Telltale formula hadn't gotten stale yet. There was still enough humor there. There was enough of them poking fun of themselves. There was enough twists and turns. It didn't feel like I knew exactly what was going to go uh, down uh, from episode to episode. And part of that may have been because I wasn't familiar with the source material, the comic series. 
Uh, so yeah, some of the twists would have been more obvious if I knew that a certain character was present in the comic series, but they just said that that, that character died. Well, eh, all right. So yeah, there's a certain amount of, Oh, just because I don't know the source material it added to it, which is actually a rarity in video games, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, but also a very good overall series, and it's a shame that we probably won't get to see the second season because they just announced it, and then Telltale decided uh, to go like your pancreas and melt pancreas and melt down and melt down. Yeah. So just super briefly, I mean, obviously my favorite game club game was BattleTech for. Yeah, let's just go ahead and throw the next category in as well. Well, I will say, let me let me just say real quick that it was actually pretty pretty tight. The, the struggle that I had was. Um, I knew Battletech was going to be in, in a couple of other categories for me. And so I sat down and I really parsed through them. And I was like, is there any reason that I could pick any other game over Battletech? Because I really tried because I didn't want it to be just like boom, 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 boom. But I just couldn't. The closest I got was Xenonauts. Xenonauts was was second for me for the year. Yeah, and that was the game that I didn't really get to play because I was just sick for so long. And and honestly, I mean, if BattleTech had not, you know, come out or had not been as good as it was, Xenonauts would have won um, for me because it it represents one that type of game that I love. I love so much turn based strategy games. Um, a nice blending of the classic XCOM, which I do enjoy, with more modern, you know, technology and features and UI and things like that. And also the depth. Yeah, the depth of the game, um, how good the story t- was in it, um, how they tried really hard to make this science feel real, you know, make the or make the science fiction feel like real science um, that could be discoverable and possible. Um, mm-hmm. It was really good. Just, I mean, and, and actually, the ability to have more than one squad. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm gonna plug, you know, if if I'm plugging a game, it's gonna be Xenonauts. Um, you know, BattleTech was head and shoulders over, but it's got, you know, like I've said, so much going. Head, for shoulders, me. and missile rack. Head, yeah, head, shoulders, and LRMs. So the next category is our favorite game we played in 2018, and you got back-to-backs for me with Battletech. I just loved it. I just fell in love with this game, and it's going to be one that I play for years. Um, I still play the old uh, MechWarrior titles, um, at least the ones that that still run fairly well on modern systems, and the old Mech Commander titles, um, both of those. And both of those run pretty well on modern, modern systems still. Just, man... I love it. I love the, the universe. I love the how much you can really get in and customize, um, you know, get in the nitty gritty and, and really make every mech your own. Um, I love how that you can customize each of the pilots um, to be whoever you want them to be, both in appearance as well as their skills and abilities to suit your play style. There's so many different options and things that you can do with it to, if you want to challenge yourself, you can crank the difficulty way up. If you don't, if you just want to chill, you can turn it down. There's lots of f- fun and interesting challenges that you can do just on your own, like 
trying to stick to certain builds or trying out weird things or new strategies. And with the addition of the first DLC, and I hope the future ones coming out, they've really played up the part of the universe that was weak in the main game, which is the actual you know storytelling aspects past the main campaign and really getting into some of that you know, space Game of Thrones shit mm-hmm. that I talked about so much about Game Club. And yeah, that, when that I, we never really got to see because it was the ascension to the throne. Right. So it's, oh God, it's just so good. It hits all those buttons for me. And I, like I said, I intend to be playing this game for years to come unless they really do something to fuck it up. But the base is so good, they would have to, I think, completely change the entire game to really mess it up. So, yeah. And for me, it was a lot more of a simple game. Uh, and I believe this was yours from last year. Cuphead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got it uh, last year during the, well, I guess year before last, during the Steam Winter Sale. And have just slowly been plugging away at it. Every so often, fire it up and uh, hammer away at a boss. Maybe defeat it, maybe not. But, you know, start to get a feel for it. And it's just a really, really satisfying, uh, well, technically boss rush uh, uh, 2D shooter with uh, some uh, platforming levels. Uh, and uh, my music tracks, I have a few Cuphead uh, tracks that I have on some of my playlists. You know, the ones that don't give P- a PTSD, you know? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but just amazing animation, amazing music. Uh, very tight controls. It does. It's difficult, but it doesn't. Never feels unfair. It's never. There's never that. Oh, that's just a complete dick move, because all the bosses have a sequence. Yeah, it's just uh, almost a puzzle game where you're having to sit down and just figure out. Okay, this boss does this. If I do this, what happens if I do this? What happens if I bring this weapon in instead of this? And it's part. Uh, boss rush but also part semi-puzzle where you're trying to figure out the best way to deal with things so yeah uh, Cuphead uh, for me yeah I mean Cuphead's great Mm -hmm. Katie and I still play Cuphead to this day not super frequently we're kind of stuck I think if I was playing by myself I could get past where we are Um, Uh, what boss oh we're still on the second island in the carnival section I'm on the third now yeah um which boss do we have? The dragon. The dragon is oh, the only the one dragon we haven't beaten. So, uh, anything in particular, or is just uh, Katie isn't uh, good enough for it, so she's uh, uh, ca- uh, causing issues? Katie's just, she's not. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, belittle her, but you know, no, yeah, that's no, a very she, tough game. Yeah, Katie's just not great at video games. Um, occasionally, she'll, you know, she'll have a streak and she'll get on, but she's very inconsistent. And I think if we played regular, like, I mean, she has improved, but I think if you, you know, we played more regularly, we could do it, but I never want to leave her behind. Like, that's the thing. Like if I mm-hmm. just ignored her, like the bosses are more difficult in two player mode, but if I just ignored her, a lot more help. yeah, but anyways, if I just ignored her, I think I could do it. I could learn it and then it would just be muscle memory, but that's not why I'm playing the game with her. So I always try and save her and, um, you know, help her get past stuff. So we've just kind of gotten gotten stuck. Yeah, I will say that uh, the dragon boss is definitely one that uh, benefits from certain weapons over others. Yeah, especially that last phase. Oh, damn! 
Yeah. And Last phase, the, the charge. I can't. Charge weapon. Okay. Because uh, the big thing about that particular stage is that if you shoot the projectiles, it'll explode. Mm-hmm. I figured out if you use the charge shot, you just charge up and then uh, pick your shots. That makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And that's what I meant by it being essentially a puzzle game almost. Yeah. But, you know, just because it worked for me doesn't mean that would be uh, best for you. Yeah, I don't even... I've got the charge shot. But I've used up all of the coins, so I've got to be able to get past with what I've got till I can get some new ones. But, so that brings us down to the last one, which is the coveted, widely renowned VGL Podcast Game of the Year Award. Yeah, and I'm not expecting you to go with mine. This is more just picking fun because I didn't want to agree. Okay. I sat here and I thought about this. And since it's my uh, turn to go first, we'll go ahead and do my question marks. Okay. I sat here and thought about it. What is the game that has been most important to the podcast? What has given us the most for the last couple months what has been in the news constantly and gave us content over and over and over again at being utter and complete shit allowed us to beat a dead horse over and over and yes fallout 76 not for being a good game it's for being such a shit game that we could talk about it constantly Pick it apart. Make fun of Bethesda um, over and over again. And now you understand why I sent you the Grinch gift. <laughs> because it is our game of the year because we talked about it so damn much. God. <laughs> I cannot you, let this stand. You're smiling, though. I am smiling. There will be a revolt. <laughs> oh, yes, it is revolting. <laughs> I see what you're going for there. I, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down, but no. No, 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 no. I wasn't no, expecting no. you to go with it, but I just didn't want to agree with Battletech. And when I saw Fallout 76 in the news again, I thought, oh my God, it is our game of the year because it just won't go away. We end up talking about it so damn much. Every week for three months. I mean, it is the... Cherry on top of the pile of shit that is the triple gaming, triple A gaming industry. I'll give you that. I'll give you that much for sure. Or maybe I should say the uh, the loot box that contains possibly a cherry at a point zero 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 one percent chance. <laughs> yeah. No. So. <laughs> so BattleTech. Is the VGO podcast game of the year for 2018? We, I mean, we did sit down and talk about this just very briefly. Yeah, it, yeah, it was tough for me to come up with something that wasn't Battletech, but then you know, I decided, you know, I can't agree with this. I, there has to be something. Yeah, I mean, mine. You know, I uh, so so mine is equivalent of, of voting independent. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I, I genuinely could have been talked down off of Battletech. I think there are, are arguments for a few games on the list that you could probably talk me down from. Um, even some of the other Game Club games, if you really mm-hmm. like 
got in there and and, and made yeah, some maybe some hard arguments to me. Yeah, but it would have been a hard sell. Mm-hmm. It would it would have been a hard sell. So I decided just to make it a joke. Yeah, but I mean, you two were like, I can't think of anything really that it that you know beats it for me this year as well. So mm-hmm. we were we were also kind of sort of unanimous on this one. Yeah, but I couldn't let it stand, you know. That's we already, we already agreed once. We can't do it again. Can't can't agree twice in the same show. Besides, it was too good a joke. It, you knew was. something good was good whenever I wouldn't put what it was. Yeah, and when that's you started talking, when you started talking, I was like, "It's Fallout 76." <laughs> Unless he's like going to pull some kind of bait and switch on me, it's Fallout 76. And then you were like, "Fallout 76," and I was like, mm-hmm. "Well played, sir." Well played. Um, I mean, do we have anything to add? I've I have uh, very much waxed poetic on that game a couple not of times. Really, already, because so. you know, I think you've uh, I think you beat it to death. So Fallout seventy six, it is. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna edit that out. That's just gonna be blank space for a second. Oh uh, no, it's just gonna be country roads. <laughs> Oh, I would do it, but we would get so many content filters, it's not worth it. Maybe do, like, I wonder if I could get away with just, like, two or three seconds of it. Just get, like, one good, like, country road in there. It'd still probably get I have to say, being from this state, I'm sick and tired of country roads. Um, (laughs) cute little story, and then we'll end. So, during Christmas time, you know, I've told you, and I think I've talked about it on the podcast, how that... We had there are two Asian girls that are mm-hmm. in our family because they're foreign exchange students and they live they lived here for so long. They're they're basically family. Yeah. Um and both of them, while they were here over Christmas, for some reason had country roads stuck in their heads, and both of them were walking around the house <laughs> singing country road for three weeks. And they and it was kind of oh. cute cute at first because they're like these little teeny tiny Asian girls trying to like fake a southern accent but they both have very strong you know Asian inflection in their voice just because they mm-hmm. grew up in China but then it was like okay girls why why stop it then they did it just to annoy me so you know I'm proud of them for that fact but also fuck them well uh, okay since we're talking about uh, Asian country roads uh, every so often I'll uh, pick a Ghibli movie that I haven't watched, which there are still a few. And I decided to pick one of the uh, lesser known ones called Whispers of the Heart. Okay. And uh, the opening sequence, I'm, I, I, I'm starting to pick up the notes. I'm thinking I'm having a Biff Tannen moment. There's something very familiar about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I shit you not. They start singing country roads. That is <clears throat> interesting. It was like, is it? And now you're a country. Oh, son of a. <laughs> so much so, actually. They actually do a uh, cover making fun of Tokyo, uh, <laughs> rewriting the lyrics to, uh, to country roads because it's uh, about a. Uh, uh, essentially just following your dreams you know it, it's a ghibli movie so you know it has a very deep message right and if you ever seen the cat returns that's 
actually the story that one of the protagonists in this uh in this essentially prequel is starting to write uh, because uh, she wants to become a writer so yeah it's just uh, that is this (laughs) (laughs) is it it is there's something very familiar about this Indeed. All right. Well, that wraps up the slightly late VGL Awards for 2018. We will start this whole process of figuring this stuff out again going forward for the rest of the year. And as far as the award show goes, we'll be back here in about a year's time. Well, uh, more like 50 weeks or so. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, That's about a year. Wish. Anyways, just another quick reminder, um, which we brought up at the top of the episode. Just dropping it again here. Yeah, in case you you uh, had amnesia by now. We are going to be putting some stuff on Discord, asking for community feedback about some changes we're making uh, to try and refocus some of our efforts on the community as opposed to just the show itself. Um. And then we're pushing Game Club back one week just to give us some extra time after combination of just various life stuff between the two of us not giving us as much time as we originally thought we had in the month of January. <laughs> um, so one more week should be able to do it. Hopefully. I'm not 100% sure where I am in the story, but I'm in the third area. Like I've unlocked the third area. Um, there's like four major map areas. So I mean, I'm pretty much not going to finish it. So I mean, I'm pretty much uh, uh, it's going to be get through as much as I can, and uh, mostly focus on mechanics for me. I think it it is. I I will say, and I don't, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but the farther you get in the game, mm-hmm. the less developed the areas get. That's not promising. It's it's one of those things like the first. Uh, it's a Divinity Original Sin Syndrome. The first two areas are real, or well, the first area is really well developed. The second area is pretty good. The third one is okay, and I've heard that the last area is a, a little more shallow. Mm-hmm. But the game, I'll t- I'll talk about this a little bit because I did do some research into it. The game did have some publishing and development development issues, and it went head to head against Half Life Two. Um, cause it's running on the source engine. Yeah. Um, and so they had a deadline to meet, to release with half-life two and to be something to sort of show off the source engine. So it was one of those things like the closer it got, the more problems they ran into. Well, we'll cover that. It was also new tech. So yeah, we will cover all of that stuff though, much more fully in the game club episode. Uh, I'll probably go back and rewatch, uh, what I, what I did, uh, I'll send you a link to the video. It's like a 20 minute video. All right. Um, but anyways, yeah. So just remember those two things. Um, and I guess we should talk about the places and the things where you find us. Cause we're mm-hmm. not quite on the routine for the, the show. So if you want to find me and my stuff, you can do so over on the YouTubes by searching for gaming psychologists 
If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. Was off the grid for a little bit, but again, that was all connected to my health stuff. Uh, getting back to normal now. Um, so who knows what you'll see over on my Twitter. Probably something political or discussing video games. One of the two. Uh, and then if or you want both. to be friends... Or, yeah, or both. And if you want to be friends with me directly on Steam, you can do so by sending a friend request to jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests and enjoy talking to people. Especially and if they need need a little little help. Oh, you keep pausing. You keep doing the Shatner pause. <laughs> I'm very sorry. I'm done now. You're good. You, you're good. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is refocus. I thought it seemed uh, rather fitting. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, and if you wish to see my stuff, I do a YouTube uh, channel, uh, which is in the process of restarting again because I got sick. Uh, Gaming with Caffeine Rage on the YouTubes. I do plan to stream again on Twitch, uh, Caffeine underscore Rage, or you can find me on the Twitter, Gaming with CR, since I don't have a set schedule on Twitch. That's a good place to find me. And you know what? I'll throw my name out there as well. If you used to friend me on Steam, you could do so and talk to me over on Steam. My name is, of course, Caffeine Rage. I know, shocking, right? Extremely. And since we're doing shocking things, the outro. Uh, since we didn't have the email or the community corner, you could do so and send our inbox some stuff. BGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or questions, or just tweet them to us. BGL Podcast on the, well, Twitter. Our lovely patrons have helped pay for this absolute madness. Patreon.com slash Podcast, Or you could just go to our website, bglpodcast.podbean.com. It has the RSS feed. It has links to all our stuff. It has a link to our Discord, which is about the only functioning link right now to try to camera out all these spam bots that's been on there until I figure out how to set up a bot to be a little bit of a sentinel. Uh, basically I'm going to set up like R2-D2 with a label maker <laughs> uh, but you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play or where most other good podcasts can be found and since I don't know what our intro and outro music will be it's likely by Kevin McLeod you can find his work at incomputech.com and as what? always <laughs> I can hear the is. chuckle lovely music starts to roll across my voice because it will still be his i just don't know what i'm gonna pick well bye now see ya
So you have absolutely no idea what you're going to pick. And now, you're actually I... going to put in the effort to listen to some of his music, or you're just going to pick at random until no, you find something decent. I'll put in the effort to find something. I mean, that's what I did for the Christmas music. I went through everything that he had labeled as Christmas music until I found a couple of good songs that I felt sort of worked that jingled with your jangle? Yeah, that jingled my jangle. As you walked merrily along? I do still have the folder with the music we used last year. I might pull from that, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to take a look and see, because I cut a bunch of it up and try and find something that is appropriate. Since when have you been ever been appropriate? Well, I mean, you know. Inappropriate, maybe, but appropriate? It'll It'll be dressed inappropriately, but it will sound appropriate. I'm pretty good at sounding appropriate when I need to. Mm. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>